The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. I don't know what to make of that face, dude. I've never had that reaction to my podcast bumper. It, it got super quiet. I was like, should I talk now? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Oh, did, it, did it not come through? So here, so here's here's what happens. This is a, <laughs> this is our uh, you know the super polished uh, professional intro to our, our podcast here at the South of Podcast. Because of the way we record with this system I have that I'm talking to you guys on now, that's like a Zoom but not Zoom. The audio coming from my local recording device here, which is where I play my awesome bumper music from, plays into my ears, but it doesn't come to you guys. That's so jacked up. I'll find a fix. I'll send you I'll send you guys the audio file. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you guys like on a loop after this. You can work out to it or something to make up for it. Perfect. But this is yeah. uh, of course, listeners, the Solid Seven <laughs> Podcast. It feels odd to say, to say my normal line, which is a better than average podcast, if I do say myself, just barely better than average. I am, of course, your moderately humble host and honored to have here with me this week, a couple of phenomenal guests. Uh, it's a twofer, just because that's that's what we do around here. We deliver for you, the listener, and uh, happy to have with me here this week, Miss Allison Grubbs, uh, known in some circles as Zero Eight, and uh, we'll we'll get to that. And then uh, the the owner, proprietor, and founder of the cleverly named Joe Baker Fitness, Mr. Joe Baker himself. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks, Thanks for having us on. Can't tell joking. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the fun of multiple guests, actually the fun of any guest, especially remote, is uh, always nobody knows when to talk. It's cool. We'll we'll figure it out. But uh, we, like so many guests these days, uh, have connected through the magic both of GoRuck and the interwebs. I don't know if any of us have met in real life, though I think we've probably all been running around Sandlot jacks at the same time maybe once or twice but i think allison your sandlot jacks experience has been you know mildly uh, different from the one that uh, that i had or maybe joe would have had at that event i mean i don't know i competed the first year yeah. but joe did too yep um the second year was awesome i just chilled i hung out i volunteered on sunday like i had a great time <laughs> we did jujitsu yeah, I had a group out both years, and this past year, we still did, like, I just go and still do GORUCK stuff. Like, I should probably go and be a professional podcaster and network more, but my version of that this year was I still did all the fun stuff I wanted to do. I just also handed out patches to everyone that would take one. I didn't get one. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> well, well, they're in the mail, guys. You're, you're getting yours. They're, <laughs> they're in the mail. 
So uh, back a while ago here on the podcast, regular listeners will know, and uh, newer listeners, you'll know by the end of this, we're massive fans of GoRuck here. Of course, we're we're GoRuck affiliates, and you know we always share that info right uh, right at the beginning or or end of the episode. It kind of rotates with our Jocko Fuel information, or uh, yeah, like our Jocko Fuel ad. But uh, so we're we're big fans of GoRuck, but not all GoRuck events are created equally. And a while back ago, uh, we had our friend Gabe on to talk about the event GoRuck Selection, which is a pretty super special snowflake in the GoRuck world. Um, and uh, so that event happens annually. And it flips back and forth. And after we had Gabe on, it was pretty fresh. He had just attempted selection for the first time. Uh, and he had dropped, but we still kind of talked about the event, what his experience was, what his plan was going forward. But uh, here back a little while ago, Allison, you would probably remember exactly how long ago. It's not quite as ingrained in my memory. Um, it, they did it again. And um, at the end of the event, as happens occasionally with uh, with this event, there was one person left standing, and it was you. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's always crazy sitting on the outside looking in on this event. Uh, GoRuck um, does a great job of making it accessible to those who are interested. I think uh, Jason McCarthy over at GoRuck is, is always a little mystified that people want to do the event or, or are interested in watching it, let alone doing it. Uh, it's not his favorite event, but a lot of us tuned in this year and it was, it was a pretty special experience, um, watching you finish. And so a, a, a bunch of us in this community, um, we were just uh, chatting about Steph Goudreau, who's been on the podcast here, uh, who I know you guys, you know, you recently did an event with, with Steph and she was out at Sandlot Jacks too. And, um, you know, Cadre Diaz, who's a friend of the podcast, like everybody's in there watching you in this event. Right. And we're all in the chat talking about how amazing it is. And I reach out to Joe. I'm like, Dude, we got to get Alice on the podcast. We, we like we like it, it was just such a special thing, right? Like it was it was different than, you know, I've been on there. I've watched these streams before. I've watched finishers in the past, and it was just a it was just a different vibe. There was a different um aspect to it. And he's like, "Yeah, man, if she's down, let's make it happen." And uh, and so here we sit. Now finally. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, you gave me some gave me some time, but I'm I'm good. I'm <laughs> it's like as like I'll remember parts of it forever, but but yeah, I mean I'm fully I feel like back into my normal life. So yeah, I, I think uh, something close to what I sent you was once you have all of the Ohio mud out of your hair, uh, we can make <laughs> it happen. I did get a haircut the day after I got back. I got a haircut. <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised it could even be cut. Like I feel like at some point you just got to give up on it and start from scratch. I gave up on it. During the event, I gave up, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was there was a volunteer that combed it for me right afterwards, and she did it in like ten minutes. I was so impressed. <laughs> I was so impressed. I was so grateful because I was like, "I'm gonna have to shave it." Like, there's yeah. no, there's no coming back from this. Oh my god! But, so, yeah. so with this, it's it's tough to know where to start. I mean, I guess I want to give listeners a little bit of idea who who aren't familiar with GoRuck, who aren't familiar with Selection, who haven't, who didn't hear Gabe come on and talk about it or anything like that. Kind of an overview about like, hey, why why should I care about this? Why are we listening to 
you know, this chick talk, you know what I'm saying? Like without a point of reference, it's an odd thing. Um, so, and I'll let you guys chime in here because I, I think go ruck rucking, um, so the go ruck event selection in particular, it's, there's, it's definitely one of those things that's, um, easier experienced than explained. I feel like, like rucking's easy, right? Put some weight on your back, go for a walk. You're rucking. Like it really doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Um, but you know, there's, there's layers to this game called life and, uh, go ruck is, is happy to provide gear for that rucking. Like you could just grab your old Jansport out of the closet and you might be able to get away with rucking a little bit of weight with it for a little bit, but at some point it's going to give up the ghost on you. So when you're looking for a little bit better gear for your rucking, go rucks there for that. And when just walking with the weight on your back isn't challenging enough and maybe you want to do it with some friends. Maybe you want to be challenged a little bit physically during it. Maybe you want to learn a little bit about what's hiding deep down inside. Okay. Well, go rucks there for that too. They've got events for that, but, but selection, right. And of course, you know, like if you really want to know a whole bunch more about this, there's, you know, YouTube and go rucks website and all kinds of great stuff that'll fill you in. But the selection's a, a different event. I, I'd be interested as somebody who's participated in a few times and now as a finisher, you know, when somebody's like, what, I mean, what is that thing? Or the, the people at work, like you're not a professional go ruck event participant. I, I don't think that's a thing. I don't know if anybody's pulled that off yet. <laughs> um, so like, what's your elevator pitch? If somebody's like, what is this thing? What do you tell them? <laughs> um, usually I just give a big sigh and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I usually, I usually just say it's like a, it's a 48 hour endurance events run by special operations guys that work for this company called GORUCK. And if it, it depends on how close I am to this person, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to like explain it and get away. I'll try to end it at that. But I mean, if it's a friend, I'll just, I don't know. I'll be like, you know, you're carrying weight, there's sandbags, there's water. Um, you know, it's, it's not a team event. They're just kind of yelling at you and trying to get you to quit. And you just, you just do what they tell you to do. You just yeah. keep on going. Um, and that's if like I say, it depends on how into it they are, but if I'm just going to try to like briefly describe it and, and make an exit, that's usually what I'll stick with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say, I mean, that's really the big difference, right? I mean, maybe with the exception of, of team selection, Everything else Go Ruck does is about the team and they they want you to win and they want you to succeed. Um, whereas selection isn't that, it's not a team. There's multiple participants, but you're there on your own. And they're the the cadre who are these former and current special operations, special forces, um, you know, either current or or veteran. Um, they're there to enforce a standard like they do. The, I mean, the name selection comes from the selection schools for the SEALs, for the Green Berets, for the Air Force PJs and CCTs, um, you know, from the, you know, I, I think there's even uh, a few crayon eaters in the mix there. I think there's, uh, you know, a few Marines that come and get in on the fun, right? And it's in that sense, you know, they're giving that taste, that little piece of those schools that's about, you either meet the standard or you don't like, it's not that anybody wants you to fail. It's we're choosing the people we're going to go to war with is their mindset in those schools. And that's what this event is. That's that little piece, that little taste of that, where 
the cadre internally they might be rooting for you, but if you don't meet the standard, they're they're not there to be your buddy and and help you limp across the finish line. You measure up or you don't measure up. Uh, and so this event in particular, um, and I found it's it's tough to come by stats, right? Like GoRuck doesn't put out like official accounts and stats of this. You can find. Uh, you know, after action reports from finishers and participants and stuff all over. But I did find um, over at ruck.beer, which if you're at all interested in in rucking in after action reports from these things, gear reviews, highly recommend uh, the the site and the team over there at ruck.beer. But I actually found they've got a whole breakdown of selection finishers and after action reports. And I got to say, like, it's still this tiny number but there were more finishers than I remembered in my head. Like maybe it's just this, such this mystical thing in my head. And because there's so many listeners who haven't followed this, there's been a lot of, they do these by class number is, is kind of how they keep track of them a little bit. Right. Or, you know, selection number, whatever, which, what, which, what was yours, Allison? I think I'm 33 or this class. Yeah. Uh, 23. Wait, I think, I think 24. <laughs> I think they're behind one on Rock Not Beer. So I think you were 24. 24. Because the, la- be the last one listed on theirs, they don't include dates, but the last one listed on theirs was Selection Class 23 black in class. Jacksonville, and that was a black class. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this was 24. Yeah. See, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's where I was going with that for the listeners. Be- because this event is about enforcing the standard, um, there, there's been several times. Um, this, and this is not, this isn't a free event. This isn't like, and it's not like you're signing up for, you know, like the weekend 5k, there's a lot of time and investment in time and money that goes into participating in something like this. There's been a lot of black classes where no one met the standard. No one finished. Um, the, the selection last year, just before yours, uh, that was the case. (laughs) You were there. It, 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 It was a black class. So it's not. Uh, it's not uncommon for there to be no finishers. Um, now, the stats they had over at Ruck.Beer, um, now this was not including your your class that just finished, was that of, let's see, 577 people who have attempted selection, 32 was their number, and now 33 have finished. Um, which I, I think probably lines up with about the completion rate that you see from the military's selection schools. I I think that percentage is about right. Uh, But what's really interesting and unique when you dig into that number is of all of those, only two of you have been women. Yes. And prior prior to you, it had been a decade since there was a female finisher of GORAC selection. Yeah. It's it's been coming for a while. Yeah. (laughs) And and not for lack of... Yeah, go ahead. You're you're a little laggy, Jill. Go go ahead. We'll give you a second to chime in here. Uh, she's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and that's that's what was so unique, right? Like I I've streamed selection a few times. Um, a few selections ago, uh, the sole finisher was a guy named Chad Chad Malone. Chad's an awesome dude. It was the first time they had that I recalled that they showed the the finish of selection, the the shark attack. Um, uh, you know, with Chad there and it was such a brutal finish. I mean, that dude held a sandbag up over his head at the end of finish of, of selection. I think longer than I've held sandbags over my head collectively over my entire life. 
Um, and, and it was cool, but like, it's always my niche thing, right? Like, you know, her, my, I'm list, I'm keeping it pulled up. I've got it going in the background at work or my wife's rolling her eyes at me. Cause you know, it's like, it's 1230, go to bed. I'm like, I can't, they're streaming right now. I need to see who's still in. I'm keeping, I'm keeping track of roster numbers, right? Cause once you're in selection, you're not Allison, right? Everybody gets assigned a roster number right. and you were zero eight until you finished. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but for us on the outside, we're like, you know, some of the people who are there, you're trying to learn names of others. Everybody's popping on the chats. Is this number still in like people pick favorites? It's funny. It's, you know, I, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but I had never, for all the times I've been streaming, like it's never garnered the attention of the people around me. Like when I was streaming you finishing this time. Right. And so I want to get into that, but before we really get into the experience of that and what that meant to the people watching, what that meant to you in the moment and what that's meant to you since, I'd like to figure out who the heck you are and why you have done this to yourself. <laughs> why? I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I think, our first ever tri-state episode of the Solid Summit Podcast. I'm in Florida, Joe's up in North Carolina, and you are hailing to us from the great state of Washington. Has this yes. always been home? Is this where you grew up? Yeah, I mean, I grew up I grew up in Oregon. So I mean, I'm in Vancouver. I'm right over the bridge. So I'm barely in Washington. But yeah, Pacific Northwest forever. Yeah. <laughs> At least up until this point. But, yeah, I, um, the the rest of us and like in the rest of the country, we have this conceptual idea that Oregon and Washington are different states, but like not really. Like, yeah, yeah. Like in There's Washington, Portland, you can pump your own gas. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know what? That is a huge pro. I did not appreciate that enough. Yeah. Every time I go to Oregon, I'm like, now I can't do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Let me pump my own. So uh, your whole life up there, um, uh, way, way north, like just, you're just barely American, really. Practically. <laughs> a lot of people think that when I say, when I say I'm from Vancouver, most people are like, oh, like Canada. I'm like, no, there's, there's a little Vancouver in Washington, you know, <laughs> basically Portland, but I don't want to claim Portland. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and but so no, I grew up down here um, in the forest. Like siblings outdoorsy, like what's, what's childhood in Washington? Like, I mean, you're just running around wild child out in the woods. Uh, are you felling trees? Like I, we just assume everyone up there is involved in logging somehow or whale watching. Funny enough. In a, that's actually really good. That's actually really close. <laughs> um, God, let's see. I had, so I had three brothers. Um, we're all pretty close in age. We're all, out of public school pretty young and homeschooled um what time, i would not call myself what time frame are we talking about here like what what's the year this second, goes down how, how old are kids in second grade that's when i got pulled out um so you're probably i gotta do math based on my kids you're probably eight years old i would think i think like eight i don't really remember much of it so i'm gonna go with like eight so un until recently there's only two types of people that homeschool their kids. So were your parents hippies or were they Christians? Christians. Okay. All right. But I will say we did not. So they tried, my mom took us to this one homeschool group that was very religious. 
And my mom was cool enough to be like, oh, these guys are weird. Like we're not, we're not going to stick around here. <laughs> so, so no, um, they were Christian, but they were, I don't know. They, they could tell like the really weird ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. definitely the weird homeschool kid group. So we didn't get stuck with that, but, um, but no, we had like two or three acres and there was wood and we did chop it down and, you know, wood stoves and everything. Um, but no, I was, um, I wouldn't call myself wild. I was just really untalented at everything. Like I was a swimmer, um, because I couldn't throw balls. I still can't throw a ball without like hurting my shoulder. Um, I couldn't run or I didn't want to run like anything on land. I was really bad at. So I was kind of just a homeschooled nerd, um, that would swim and swimming was my social time, which swimming is not really a social sport. So (laughs) I was just weird. I don't want to say I was like a really weird kid, but you're a weird kid. I wasn't normal. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I'll have to pause you here. I don't know if you, if either of you guys uh, caught my episode with Jala, but we bonded over our swimming backgrounds. Now, Jala, of course, a very impressive and accomplished swimmer. Myself, very much not so. Um, so but uh, I, I felt like swimming was pretty social. Like I loved being on swim team. Maybe it's, maybe it's because it was, you know, like public school and not, uh, you know, some oh. some weird homeschool I mean... situation. <laughs> I had, so I had three really good friends. Um, we call ourselves the fab four, but that was kind of it. Cause I was so shy. I was so, so shy. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, I had that, that little click and that was pretty much all I did. Everyone else, it was just painful to yeah. talk to people and make friends. <laughs> so yeah, it, it wasn't, nothing was super social for me. How did little... how did swimming become the thing? Because especially like, I mean, I guess swimming isn't like a school associated sport typically until you're in high school. So like, I was on swim team very very young. Like there wasn't an age category for me in Illinois before my family moved. And then you know I swam up through high school, but I was never a year round swimmer. And in Florida, if you want to compete, you're a year round swimmer. Um, but I got into it because my sister was into it. I don't know how she got into it. So what was the gateway drug to swimming for you of, of all things? Like, was anybody else in the family into it? I mean, I mean, I think we just all, cause there were four of us kids and I know, cause I started when I was five and my brothers and I are pretty close in age. And I think originally my mom just wanted to go one place where all the kids could do their sport. And, and that was, it was a convenience thing. Yeah. And so you know, at a certain point, like my brothers were kind of over it and they, you know, moved on. But, um, I mean, like I said, I kind of sucked at everything else. So I was <laughs> like, I, like, I just want to keep swimming. It kind of becomes your identity after a while. Yeah. So, you know, eight years in, I was like, you know, I'm a swimmer. I need to keep swimming. Yeah. I always enjoyed it. And also versus like the other sports that were available to me in school, it was the only one where anyone was in bathing suits and that was, that was appealing in high school. That was a big selling point. (laughs) So what, what was, uh, every swimmer has their events. What were your events? So for the first eight years, it was butterfly, the hundred or 200 meter fly. Um, and then once, you know, that awkward, like 12, 13 year old age comes around 
um, suddenly I like sucked a butterfly. <laughs> so I went into like endurance freestyles, so, like 500 and above, like the mile became my next, my next big event. So you've sought out horrible, sucky, physical beatdowns your whole life is what I'm hearing because listeners, if you haven't swam, like you've probably seen fly, right? Like it's kind of the obscure stroke. People got a little more familiar with it when Phelps was a big name and people actually watched swimming for a little while. People watching someone like Michael Phelps or Olympian swim fly doesn't, it makes it look like it's like swimming other strokes and it's, it's not, it is a full body beat down. You have to have, you can even have abs of steel. You need stronger metal uh, for fly. And then distance free is just like, it's like doing Chad 1000 X. It's um, like, it's this, um, we'll clean it up for the podcast. It's this single movement mind freak where you're, it's just stroke and kick over and over again. You lose track. You have friends counting laps for you. They stick numbers in the water for you at the end because nobody can keep focused long enough. Every, did you have songs that you would sing when you were doing distance free? I feel like every, I feel like every distance swimmer had go-to songs they'd sing. You know, as a kid, well, how old would I have been? I don't know, between 13 and 17. I don't, I don't think I did. I was into like nineties country and stuff like that. As well. You should have been. Um, I don't think, I don't think I did. It's funny, you know, like now when I'm swimming, it's country again. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Cause when you're racing, you know, even though it's a mile, I feel like I was still pretty focused on like, all right, you know, how am I doing? Am I on pace to do whatever? There was still some thought. Like, I don't think I totally zoned out. You can always see people kind of screaming at you. So, yeah, I was always like breaststroke was my go-to. Um, so like hunter breaststroke was my main event. I'd swim 200 IM because I was willing, uh, and I'd swim 500 free because I was willing, but at a meet, uh, like again, listeners, if you haven't been to a swim meet and let's be honest, you probably haven't been, you know, it's at least two schools. Sometimes it's more, there can only be so many people in the pool at one time, but you'd put multiple swimmers in an event. Uh, and if like, if we were putting three swimmers in a 500 freestyle, I'd be the third swimmer. I, I was just filling a lane. No one was expecting anything of me. It's just like Matthews go swim in the 500. All right, coach, I'll do it. <laughs> just gonna go pay my dues man you didn't do the 400 no i i mean mm-hmm. i only swam through high school i got okay competitive and 100 breaststroke but again like in down here in florida competitive like the swimming scene's really competitive here yeah. um and because you know there's there's a lot of high quality year-round swimming programs here and if you weren't swimming if you were only swimming in school you weren't gonna there was the year-round swimmers won every event at every high school meet, and the rest of us were playing for second and third. I mean, I even I had a friend. Um, I'll leave his last name out of it just in case. I don't know, but uh, Brandon, he was the state. He he dove for us. He was the state five A diving diving champion all four years. He dove at the big aquatic center down here in Orlando. He was you know Olympic trials, Olympics bound. He ended up passing on the Olympics because he didn't want to delay starting, I think dental school, which sounds like the dumbest decision ever to say out loud. Like, Hey bro, I think you can always be a dentist, but it, I felt so bad in meets because you'd have these kids that just diving looked fun 
And, you know, when you're, it's like, Hey, you can go put in like a few thousand yards this practice, or you can go play on the one meter board. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll try diving. Why not? And he, I mean, he just, every like actual high school meet, he just smoked everybody. Like it, there was no competition for him until it was state level. I think there was one other kid maybe in our district that was somewhat competitive, but it was, but it, you know, again, it was fun. There were bathing suits and we were all super fit. So <laughs> There's no better time to be in a bathing suit. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, no. Why did I? So did you That's swim? Pretty much my news. I was awkward. I swam. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't make friends. <laughs> so, I mean, is there no, that now, you know, this is the, the Christian kid, former church employee in me, like, or is there not like youth group in here? Are you not going somewhere once a week and singing along to some DC talk or something? There was youth group. Um, you know, I think it was one of those things where like when you're forced to do it, you kind of rebel a bit. Yeah. So I would do everything I could to get out of going to anything just because my mom's like, you're going, you have to go and be like, fine, but like, I'm not going to participate. <laughs> so, so it was there. I just, you know, that was my rebellion. <laughs> So uh, swimming was the the gateway drug, I guess, to a little, uh, well, it wasn't even the gateway drug. It was just like the last thing available. Like there was no ball involved, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we even talked about water polo, but I was like, I can tread water and I can probably like block a ball, but I can't throw it away from me. So suck <laughs> at that too. <laughs> Uh, did you, did you swim, uh, competitively or, or uh, collegiately? No, no. Um, so I started, so because of homeschooling, I finished the program I was doing a couple years early and was doing prereqs starting at 15. So I finished, I got into nursing school at 17 okay. or like my junior and senior year. So I transferred to university of Portland and they had like a it was a really ghetto, like basement, 20 yard pool. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah. And so they did not have, like I swam, but they didn't have anything that I could actually use to, to do much with. So, so no, I, um, I kept swimming, but just, just for fun. And yeah, they had like a really, they had like an asbestos filled gym that I used. I think they've redone it now, but but no, pretty much once I got to 17 and I transferred over there, there wasn't, there wasn't like a team sport that I did. Um, yeah, I was just doing pretty much nursing school from 17 to 19. Man, so right from the jump, was that what you always wanted to do? <laughs> I mean, I knew I wanted to be in the medical field for sure. Um, and my parents were very much like, you know, you need, you need to figure out what you're doing. Like just starting school so young, starting college so young, um, you know, they're like, well, we'll support you as we can, but we're not going to pay for you to just kind of waste money getting credits for, you know, a general education. Yeah. Like you need to figure out what you're going to do. So, so it was either I want to be a nurse or a surgeon. <laughs> That's a widespread. I, I would, I, yeah, it's a little different, but not really kind of, <laughs> but I ended up going for nursing. And so 
you know, it was pretty straightforward and got it done. So. And that's, is that yeah. still what you, is that still what you I don't regret doing? it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can take it anywhere. So there's what a variety. The, so, uh, you know, we already talked to there about there being layers to this life game. There's like all these layers that most people outside of healthcare don't know about to nursing where, where do you, like, how have you progressed? Do you, have you kept press like where are you at now and how many letters are after your name is what I'm asking, Allison. <laughs> I mean, I have like the standard like RN, BSN, um, uh, CCRN. When I was just med surge, I had my med surge cert. Um, I don't know. I've done rapid response. I've done. I've been a charge nurse on every unit I've worked on. Um, I don't know. I've. I've gotten around. I did, <laughs> I did like a medical unit for a few years. Um, and so, I mean, I've definitely worked on the floors. I did a cardiac kind of step down unit for six years. Um, and then I went to ICU. And so um, I've just done, and it's just a medical ICU. So, you know, they have all these specialties and stuff, but I did medical ICU for the last seven, seven or eight years. Dang. I don't know. We're going on over 15 years. I had my 15 year anniversary back in September. So sometimes the math gets lost. But. Yeah. When the anniversaries of things start getting in like well into the double digits, that's when, that's when the old age really starts to settle in on you. Or when I'm yeah. like, I was talking to somebody the day and I'm like, I, I've been in the workforce for like, like 30 years. I, I don't feel like I should be able to have done anything for 30 years. I'm like, yeah, I've known that dude for 22 years. We shouldn't be tw 22 years old. It just, uh, it all sneaks up on you. Like I should be retiring, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that th every week. I'm like, I get to retire soon, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember when, uh, you, like you thought you could just work 20 years somewhere and then retire. Remember the, that, that was a fun joke. Yeah. Everyone said, oh, you're going to start really young. You know, you can retire really young. Like I I feel ready. <laughs> so, but that, I mean, that's both demanding from a, a schooling point uh, and then from a, a work point. So like uh, leaving high school, kind of leaving, you know, uh, any type of structured athletic program. Uh, what, what were you into? Did you stay active? Did you kind of fall away and you're just kind of working and doing school? Okay. Well, so through school, Let's see. It's hard. So when I started nursing, I was still personality wise, I was still very much an introvert. Um, so I really like when I say I like didn't really go out and do anything or have many hobbies, like I really didn't. <laughs> like I was very uh, you know, school, I focused on school and everything. I had a I had a boyfriend through college, but I didn't have a car. So it's like you know, on the weekends, I'd like ride the bus to see him or something. But, um, you know, it was that in school and <laughs> I would hang out in my dorm room. I'm just and, hearing, like, I'm just hearing like in my mind, I'm envisioning you telling people at school, like the old middle school line of like, I, I have a boyfriend, No, he, but he doesn't go here. Okay. <laughs> But for real, it's like, look at my MySpace. <laughs> he, li he, he lives in another state. He's real. Listen, guys, if you didn't claim a fictitious girlfriend or boyfriend in another state in middle school, you weren't living. What was, uh, what, was, what, was Jan's, what was Jan's boyfriend on 
on the Brady Bunch. George, George Glass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If anyone comes for proof, I've got it. (laughs) 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 Um, But no, I mean, so I pretty much studied and um, I really didn't come out of my room for much of anything. Because if you came out, people would want to like get you to go to all these dorm activities. And I just was not having that. So um, I would go to the asbestos gym. Um, you know, I'd swim in like the 20, the 20 yard basement pool and, um, and study. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. Even, even now when I'm not an active swimmer and I'm in no way impressive in the water, I still like if somebody's, you feel like at a hotel and somebody's like, ah, I'm going to go for a swim. Or if somebody's talking about like doing laps in their home pool and they're like, uh, you yeah, know, no, I'm going to go get in some exercise. Even now, I still give the judgy side. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're going to yeah. go. You're going to go swim. Doesn't count. Let's see this. <laughs> <laughs> so so what what leads um, an introverted, you know, nurse to something like Go Ruck? Oh, man. Well, let's see. So after nursing a few years, you know, you're kind of forced to um, – learn how to socialize with people. Uh So, you know, gradually I became a little more like confident in social situations. Um, And probably right about the time, I think I was 24 or 25. So I had gotten married to that boyfriend that did exist. (laughs) And we got divorced at about that time. And it was just one of those moments where it was like, you know, I was really close to his family. His friends were my friends. And then all of a sudden they weren't there anymore. And it was just me. So it was one of those times where it was like, you know, I can either go out and experience things on my own or keep hiding in my little hobbit hole. And I just decided to get out and start doing things. So um, I started traveling, went to like South America and everything. And you know, had a really good time doing that, but I really got into CrossFit, like really got into CrossFit, like definitely upset. As one does. (laughs) As one does. And I would say through CrossFit, I mean, I met some amazing people, like I'm still friends with a lot of those people now, but, um, that's kind of how I got introduced to events like this, like military events, endurance events. Like that's how I met this group of people, a community of people. Um, and so after that was in 2017 that I did my first like endurance event. And then, you know, one thing leads to another Yeah. (laughs) and suddenly you're signed up for Garrick selection. But (laughs) after, um, after my first event, someone has sent me a link for Garrick selection. That was back in 2017. And, um, I was just like, I don't think I'm quite ready to put myself through another like two day event like yet, but it was just always in the back of my mind. Like one day, one day, maybe I'll be ready. And, um, yeah, come actually Chad's year. So 2021, um, I watched part of the welcome party live stream and I was like, 
this looks amazing. Like this looks like a really good time. Like I couldn't stop smiling watching the walk. <laughs> you're you're so, aware that's not the standard reaction, right? Maybe I was having a great time. I was like, this looks so fun. But you, so you, you've done other endurance events at that point, but like you're watching that welcome party. You haven't done a light, a basic, a star course and nothing. No. What were the endurance no, events you had done? What's that? What were the endurance events you had done? The first one I did was seal fit Kokoro. So that's, um, it's more of like a team based 48 hour event, um, which they still have a pretty high like failure rate, but, yeah. um, that was my first one. And through that, I met a really good friend, Glenn, who now does go rec stuff as well. But, um, he reached out and asked if I want to do an adventure race with him and some other people. So I did, we went to Tasmania and did a week long adventure race there. And then I did some random things. I did like a 200 mile ultra run through Scotland. Um, which that was, so that was last year. <laughs> I didn't need it. I didn't need a time cap on day three. So I was, I was officially a DNF, but, <laughs> but I kept doing the short course until the end of it. Um, and I did, I did an Ironman. I did like 50 K's Spartan ultras, like just random endurance stuff. Dude, what are you? Yeah. I just enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 We, <laughs> we've blown by all kinds of things. Now the podcast jumps all over the place. Uh, we cover all kinds of topics. And so there's, I'm certain there's a subset of my listeners who's like, dude, you let her blow through like a back to back marriage and divorce. That's right. We have too much to cover people, but we're going <laughs> to dig in to the endurance stuff. <laughs> um, okay. So at, you get into CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Had you ever been a runner at any point? Because you just mentioned a 200-mile oh. run. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thank CrossFit for a lot because um, my very first CrossFit class, um, I it was Helen, which if anyone doesn't, there's probably a lot of people that don't know. Helen's pretty straightforward. It's like, what is it? Um 12 pull-ups, 21 kettlebell swings, 400-meter run, yeah. three rounds. For for the uninitiated okay. listeners, CrossFit, they name their workouts like their pets. So she wasn't talking about a person. She was just <laughs> – Helen's a workout, guys. Yes, and it's, it's not normally one, I think, that stresses people out. But my first workout, I was so freaking sore. And I hadn't run probably in years. Like – like, I don't, I didn't run unless I was forced to. Like, that's kind of what it was. Yes, that is the right and reaction I don't to running. Think I ran. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think I ran the 400 nonstop. I think I had to stop and like walk part of that 400. So, CrossFit had a way because I was so obsessed with it. And I was like, you know, I love the bar, I love the lifting, I love the strength, I love all of it. Like, I don't want to be really good at CrossFit except running. Like, I don't want to have that Achilles heel. So I just kind of started running like a mile or two miles after every workout. And, you know, it took some time, but I prayed. Then I started running like six miles every day and I got pretty good at it. But 
then I kind of overdid it. So, so I was going pretty fast for short distances, but then I just kind of burnt out of it. And yeah. uh, when I started doing ultras, I was just doing like slow, like just like hours, hours on the assault runners and stuff. Cause it made my knees feel okay. Cause then my knees started hurting. I so, can't imagine. Yeah. Like why? <laughs> But yeah, no, once, once I got into ultras, like the pace dropped off a lot, but I still had like my mobility and strength and, and all that stuff. So ultras just became easier because there wasn't like that stress of going fast or anything. So I, what I'm searching for here, um, is the, is the gateway drug, right? Because you rattled off all these events that are either like, key events. Somebody puts this on the calendar, like every other, they're going to put this 18 to 24 months out to work towards or bucket list events. And it's like, no, like I did some endurance events and I got into this, but the endurance events were like 48 hour run by seals. It was ultras. It was, I'm like, so I'm looking for the in-between, right? Because a normal person has an in-between. I think (laughs) I need to give up on finding normalcy, but really I think CrossFit really was that in between, right? Like that's kind of what built that level of activity, that level of strength. Like when you, mm-hmm. when you really get into CrossFit and you'll know if somebody's really into CrossFit, cause they'll tell you, you won't have to ask and it'll be on all their shirts and there will be a sticker on the car. Um, maybe multiple stickers. Um, but it kind of, it can become its own endurance event in and of itself. Really. I mean, if you know, if you're working out regularly, you know, so I guess that's that's kind of the gateway drug because then you just started doing crazy things. Yeah, I don't I don't really know why. I just I feel like why waste time training for something that's not the hardest? Like like if there's levels, like pre-selection, yeah. like why would I want to like torture myself for 24 hours? And let's say I do it and then I'm like, well, now I have to go back for 48. <laughs> like, why would I not just do 48? You know? Yeah. So I guess that's my thinking is like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. That makes sense. I kind of, kind of, uh, I'll say like, I have, I have this in me that my wife doesn't always like, she kind of shakes her head at. So I get that this isn't in everybody and this is not to put myself on par with you, but my reaction when I see things like this, like my reaction when I first saw it go ruck and I've talked to Jason and Emily both about it and I can't ever pin it down. Like the first time I saw a ride up. It was either art of manliness or it was ITS tactical. And I can't remember exactly which one, uh, but they were riding up a, a tough, a challenge, uh, right. And talking about the gear and the whole nine. And like, I see that and I'm like, Oh, that sounds really hard. I'd like to know if I could do that. But, but I feel like I look at reasonable things and think that, <laughs> uh, and then even then I'm still like, I mean, I wonder, we're not going to find out, but I still wonder, right? I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to go do a 12-mile star course. That'll be fun. I'm going to do that instead. <laughs> um, so, but there, I mean, is, there, is that in you? You see these things and you're just like, you need to know? Kind of, yeah. Well, in selections, like I say, they, you know, my friend kind of put selection in the back of my mind and it was always there. Like, you know, like I want to do it. I know I want to do it. It's just when am I going to do it? Cause I also, if I just, if I just like, you know, marinate on something for that long, I just have to do it and just see, you know, see if I can see if it's possible. And I mean, I just, 
that's just me. I just have to try it. <laughs> so run me through these events again. You did the seal fit thing. Um, yes. So talk me through, you, you did the adventure race. What was that? Mm-hmm. It, it was in Tasmania, so, which I'm still not convinced is a real place outside of Looney Tunes. So I don't know if I'm buying this part of your story, but continue. It's amazing. <laughs> Tasmania was great. Tasmania was, um, you know, that I, that's kind of where I've, I've learned if you get an invitation from somebody that sounds like too good to be true, like just, just say yes and go with it and see what happens. Um, cause that's essentially what it was like, you know, this guy that I met, um, during Kokoro, he ran past me going down this hill at the bottom of this hill. Um, he's talking to one of the cadre and he like lifts his shirt up and he has a, he has a broken rib. Like you can see like his rib, like not sticking out of the skin, but he's got this giant purple bump and he ends up getting, you know, medically dropped for that. But you know, that guy is the one that reached out to me. That was like, you know, Hey, we need a female member for this adventure race. Like, are you interested? Like, you know, we'll cover all your costs and everything. It's like, like, I literally only know you because you ran past me and you had a broken rib. (laughs) And I was like, I know I respect you because that's pretty badass. but, um, but yeah, I mean, just took a chance and went with it. And like I say, he's probably one of like my, my best, you know, endurance friends and friends in general, like he's just a great guy, but I mean, yeah, no Tasmania. It was mountain biking. I'd say running. It wasn't running. It was uh, trekking. (laughs) Trekking, mountain biking, kayaking. Um, It's all kind of navigation based. So I knew nothing about navigation. So I just kind of followed along. Um, But that that's just a blast. I mean, that was the. I think that was like the first time I hallucinated. Was I think we went three days before we finally took a nap. And I'll tell you what, like the hallucination thing, I mean, it prepared me wonderfully for selection for yeah. like any long-term events. Cause it's like, I know what to expect. So, so adventure racing like laid a great foundation for, you know, how do you perform sleep deprived? You know, what, what are you going to see? What are you going to hear? Um, are you going to know that it's not real? <laughs> Speaking it's of great. sleep deprivation. I'm derelict in my duties. I got so sucked into the story. I'm still so sucked into the story. And then you're talking about being sleep deprived and I'm staring at my unopened Jocko go, which normally would have been cracked very early in the podcast. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it now. It's still here. Listeners don't doubt my love for Jocko fuel, uh, visit the website, use our promo code, get your 10% off. Um, but so I won't be, well, I probably will be sleep deprived now. I, it's, it's not very late where Allison is. It's very late where Joe and I are, but I mean, uh, I've got, Coffee, like. <laughs> um, okay. So gosh, I've uh, like, the, I didn't realize I was going to be talking to David Goggins tonight. And so if I feel like I'm thrown off, I was not prepared for like, <laughs> like I, I knew, I knew, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. So, okay. So then where does, where does the ultra running come in? Like where, when, how do you get into your first ultra? Uh, let's see. So the adventure, after the adventure race, I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure I could do a lot of these things, like an Ironman or whatever. It's like, I'm pretty sure I could do these things, you know, like I'm capable. So after I got home from that, I signed up for an Ironman. 
um, I signed up for 50 K cause I was like, I'm pretty sure I can do a 50 K. Like I just did a marathon and you know, well, I didn't do a marathon in the old, in the adventure race, but we went like hundreds and hundreds of miles. So I was like, I'm good. So I did the 50 K and I was like, that's not that bad. Like it hurt, <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, no, Hey, we're all Americans like, here. So that that's like a 30 miler ish. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's 32, I don't know, 31, 32, but I was like, that wasn't that bad. It was just boring. So, you know, things like Spartan ultras. I'm like, if you throw some obstacles in there, like maybe this will be a little more fun. So, <laughs> so I did that. Um, and then like the Ironman, I trained, I mean, I was really stressed out about that because I hate riding bikes and, um, and I trained on my bike for a long time. Um, and then I did it and I was like, okay, that wasn't that special either. <laughs> so, and that's, that's uh, all like, it's all trudgery, right? Like we've discussed, we've both been swimmers. You were probably a better swimmer than I was, but a distance swim is a distance swim and it's just a trudge. And then I got super into road cycling for a while and there's crits you can do. There's little races you can add excitement, but at some point, like I did some centuries and stuff and I went and did. You know, I rode Dahlonega up in Georgia because there's no hills down here, but overpasses. And so I did some stuff. And at some point, like you just have to have a pain well and you have to be willing to trudge. And you have to, at some point you hit a point where you're like, okay, it's not going to hurt any worse than this. And I can still turn the gears. So mm -hmm. I go, but you've got to be okay with sitting with yourself for yeah. an extended, even in a group. I mean, it's not like, especially on a long ride, it's not like there's a lot of chit chat going on. Right. And so, but you're doing that to the extreme. Are you doing a full Ironman or a half? Who am I kidding? You're oh, doing a full. Don't even answer the question. So we're talking. I, was, I, I did a half only because. <gasps> you sissy. I know. No, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a theme of, um, I won't say regret, but there's um, this one lady who had done a full Ironman was like, Cause I'd never done a triathlon before yeah. and she's like, Oh, you should try just, you know, a half. I was like, well, I respect you. So maybe, but you didn't, I didn't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I think the only thing that made the Ironman like really fun when I actually did it was it was in New Zealand. And I mean, I don't know if the support for all Ironmans are like that, but they like shut the city down. Yeah. So that was really cool. So what but, is that? What is a half? Is it a mile and a half swim? Yeah, it'd be like and what one point two mile, one point two mile swim. I think a fifty six mile bike and then a half marathon. Yeah, so thirteen point one. Easy day. Yeah, I mean, I did it on a Saturday morning. Like <laughs> it was fine. I just really hate riding my bike. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll I, do and I, I would do it again with friends, but. Yeah. You know, I've marked it off my bucket list. Yeah. Like, I'm good. <laughs> uh, a couple of my buddies, they've gotten into, like, doing, like, a try a month right now. And they keep trying to suck me in. And I'm like, boys, if you want to go ruck any distance anywhere, uh, give me the time and place. Let's let's go ruck. I'm like, I'm not doing any more triathlons. But it's because I don't mind the swim. And I actually like to be on the bike. I won't run. They're like, just come yeah. ruck it. I'm like, well, I also don't like to be last. So let's be realistic here. <laughs> This is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. But no, the running, once, like I say, once I slowed it down, once I didn't care so much about the pace, it was, 
I mean, it's just speed hiking, basically, you know, like I went, I did the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim in, I think like 2020, I think it was 2020 when everything opened again. I did was you like, have your mask on? No. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. It was August. It was the end of August. And I was like, we're just trying to survive here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I mean, now it's kind of like, I enjoy, if I were going to do a run, like an ultra run, I just want it to be something special. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like the most fun thing I could do. Like I'd rather do a go rock event or something. Cause that's, I feel like, the people and the the work is a yeah. lot more enjoyable. But. Well, and outside of the tier one events, when when you're talking about all these other endurance events, I mean, there's there's things that are a little different atmosphere. Like if you're going to go do like a normal person's version of a Tough Mudder or a Spartan race, there's a vibe to those things. But in comparison to the things you're talking about, a go ruck event, I mean, you're going to look inside yourself some. But I mean, you're with friends. It's a party. You're having a good time. No poopy faces. (laughs) I mean, even going back to GORUCK selection this year, um, I mean, I'm not going to say it was a party, but it was definitely like, like, okay, like I know these people now, (laughs) like I know they like me. (laughs) And I will say Barbarossa, he actually called me Allison during the BFF test. And that I didn't smile on the outside, but (laughs) I definitely smiled on the inside. I was like, well, they do know me. (laughs) You got him. He used your name. Yep. He's yours now. Um, Okay. So uh, talk to me about this 200 miler. Cause that's a, again, that's a super special snowflake in the world of ultras. That's not a normal thing. No, no. Well, like I say, I did DNF it. So let's not, you know, put me up too high on this ultra running pedestal. I think it's too late for that. It was actually, it was really cool. Um, So my friend Glenn, the one that um, I did the adventure race with and I did Kapura with, he told me about this run. And um, so it's on the Cape Wrath trail through Scotland. And he told me about it and how it was like a bucket list item thing for him. And I was like, you know, if there's still spots open to sign up after the first of the year, I was like, I'll do it. And sure enough, after the first of the year, there are spots open. I was like, well, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. So I was like, all right, I'm in, let's, let's go. Um, and it was actually, I mean, it was an amazing experience. Like they really, so it's, it's over eight days. Um, there's a course, you know, for every day, they set up camp for you. They feed you. They, they really, they take care of you really, really well. So it wasn't like I was out in the elements for eight days, just like, is there, you know, trying to move. I mean, is this, are we talking tour de France style? Like, is there a time hack daily that you need to meet to stay in this thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the day, so the day that I DNF'd, um, I had actually, the second day was actually really hard too. And somehow I got through that with some time to spare. Um, my friend came in like 20 minutes before the cutoff. Um, and he was just fried. He was, he was done at that point. But the third day I love going uphill. I love going uphill. And I was actually with the, you know, the main group of people going up, but 
I'm really bad going down. And that time in Scotland, it was May last year. And, um, it was just bogs. I mean, I was falling in bogs, like up to my crotch. It was awful. Um, I'm not graceful. (laughs) I'm not fast. I'm not graceful. And I knew by the time I got out of the bog, I knew like, this is not going to happen, but, um, I kept going. I wasn't officially cut off. So I kept going and then I got lost. I was lost for like two miles <laughs> and I was looking at my little locator thing. Cause I was like, I know I'm lost. Like, why are they not buzzing me and telling me that I'm like to stop yeah. and to go back? And I was just, I just remember sitting there like I tried, <laughs> I did the best I could, but yeah, no. And then after that, um, you know, after that, you, you like officially, like you're not a finisher, but you have the option for the rest of the days to do like a short course or just do what you can. Yeah. Um, so that's the option that I took was just do what I can and, you know, try to enjoy the last five days. But so what was, was the, fun. what was the last thing like non-go work event you did before you attempted selection? I did, I did this event called the Sisu Iron. Um, this one friend, so that's one cool thing that I found is there's so many like little niche endurance events. Like I had just never, never heard of before. So, um, this thing called Sisu Iron. So this other friend that does go um, told me about it and he was like, you know, it's their 10 year anniversary. It's going to be 60 plus hours. Um, it's in California, so it's at least on the same coast. And he's like, you know, the people that run it are cool. It should be fun. Like, you should just do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> well, my and my thought process was, okay, it's in May. So, you know, I have May and then September is selection. Because that was my main thing last year or this year was... Um, don't hurt yourself before selection. So, um, so that was the last thing I did was the CSU iron. Um, and that was in California, like outside of LA and that was 60 hours. Um, and that was just a ton of fun. It was just a lot of like, you know, it was wrecking and a lot of ocean stuff. I'm so sick of the ocean. I don't want to get in the ocean. <laughs> All right. Man, I tell you what, that burned me out of sand and beaches and everything. Uh (laughs) The California coast. I want nothing to do with the California coast. Hey, amen. Different Uh, reasons, but I hear you. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I want to try and zero in on some of the timeline stuff now, right? Because now now we're getting into um, the stuff we all actually care about, which is the GORUCK events. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, all this other stuff's really cute and all, and Iron Man's nice, I suppose. But so you you were a a, a competitor at the first Go Ruck Games, yes. So that's April twenty twenty two. So that was so you had to be invited. That was before yes. you tried your first selection. Yes. So how were you on so- their radar for that? Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious I, based on the discussion we've had, but <laughs> I submitted, so I wasn't invited. I submitted my videos and stuff. Um, so I, so I saw Chad Malone do his welcome party and everything. Um, and I was, and I signed up for selection. I think they opened that. 
the day after selection ended. So as soon as that one was over and sign up was available, I signed up. I ordered my first ruck and I was like, all right, like, let's do it. Um, you know, the thing with like ruck training and stuff is that it's just so different though. So yeah. as far as like sandbag rucks, I was like, you know, I don't, I just don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I have a lot of barbell experience, but not really sandbag. So, um, you know, again, people that talk me into doing things that I don't think I need. <laughs> um, this guy I was dating for like a short couple weeks was like, you know, you should probably try a Gorek event because he had done, he knew what selection was. He knew what Gorek selection was. Um, he had done a Gorek event and he was like, it's just very different. Um, it's just very different. And he's like, you should probably try to do an event. And I was like, all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> fine. So <laughs> I, I signed up for the brag heavy with my friend Glenn, um, because Glenn at the time was going to go for selection too. And, um, we go to the brag heavy and it was a really weird year for the brag heavy. Um, from what I'm told, we started yeah. at Joe, Joe probably knows. I know Joe wasn't doing it, but he was there. Um, but we started in a museum and we just kind of like toured a museum for a couple hours. Yeah. That's not a normal start. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we did yoga. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I was like, it's <laughs> like, this isn't exactly what I, what I thought I, it would I be. Need, but... I need, I need a cadre name to associate with this yoga session. Dan, oh, Dan. Oh, Dan Plans. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> hey, bud. Was he, was he uh, in his cycling spandex as he was leading the yoga? No. No, he had changed so. already. No. That would have made it more memorable. There you go. <laughs> so now, uh, listeners, again, now this is a more traditional Go Ruck event, but this is the longest traditional Go Ruck event. Well, at least now. There used to be crazy stuff like Ascent and some of the ocean things that were longer. But as a single event, not combined with any others, heavy is the longest they do besides the tier one events. But this one's still a team event. You're working together. They want you to finish. But this is 24 hours long. And brag is arguably the heavy. Like if you've done a go ruck heavy somewhere away from Fort Bragg, you probably still like you haven't had the full heavy experience. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I haven't done a heavy. I'm faking this right now. I'm just a fanboy talking here, but like brag heavy is like a sacred different thing is the point. And that's kind of why I did it. It said it was the hardest. And I was like, well, if I'm, if I'm signed up for the hardest thing out there, then like, I want to do like something hard, you know? Uh-huh. So, I, so, you know, I did that and I was like, you know, this really wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> listeners if you're intrigued uh, check out the lights and the basics you don't have to do like you it doesn't have to be this way it can be but it doesn't have to be this way or just go for it <laughs> or just figure it out and then work your way down find your failure point then work backwards whatever yeah but from so from the brag heavy in 22 um that is where so i didn't actually meet joe i just saw him lurking there and I heard other people say like, Oh, that's Joe. I'm like, I don't know who that is, but then, <laughs> through like, just through like other message boards and stuff. Um, they were like, Oh, they were throwing out trainers and stuff. And Joe's name came up and I was like, Oh, like 
all right, I'll reach out to Joe. So then I emailed Joe and I was like, Hey, I'm signed up for selection. Like, I'm pretty sure I can do it. <laughs> I just don't know. Like, I don't really know how to train like sandbag or wreck things or anything. So, you know, are you interested? <laughs> and he was, and you know, he's been stuck with me since then, but, um, but in April, so Sandlot time, um, I didn't get it, you know, no one knew who I was, so I didn't get an invitation, but they had like an open, you know, if you send in your pull-ups and. But your, you still, you still had to be selected. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, like you, you could, you, had to you get, can just pay like, your you know, fee and roll up and be, uh, you right, know, right. a go-right games But athlete. I didn't think I was that impressed. I was like, they must've been really short on women because <laughs> I didn't think my videos were that impressive, but, um, but no, so I mean, and I it went turns there. out, no, they weren't short. You were one of like 50 absolute killers. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is the event that killed me the worst was, um, the hundred pound mile. That one, dude, it hurt. I think I it hurt to watch high. that. It, it seriously hurt to watch. <laughs> that was so bad. That was the first time I carried a sandbag and it was terrible. Like this is the worst thing I have ever done, and I never want to do it again. <laughs> and you know, this past year, everybody was doing it for a and cute then, uh, yeah, patch with Java like, on it. And here, here we are. <laughs> but I did that. I think I still finished that as pretty much um, unknown. And then, um, and then, so, yeah, selection that year. So prior to this, uh, prior to uh, Joe creepily lurking in the shadows at Brag Heavy, and his name yeah. being mentioned in whispers and back alleys like Voldemort. Right. Um, <laughs> You, uh, like, were you just, you're programming everything you're doing on your own. You're training for all this stuff on your own. You're just doing the CrossFit thing. Like you're just doing all your own programming for all these massive events you're tackling. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much if like for the Ironman, I just knew I needed time. Like it was time on a bike saddle. Um, so I would just spend time on a bike, um, for everything else. Like I call it my extracurricular stuff. Like I would swim, I would run, but it wasn't, it was kind of just so I remembered how to do it. It wasn't, no. <laughs> it wasn't like, um, I don't know. It was just in addition to the CrossFit workouts yeah. and stuff. Now, like when I did grow, I knew yeah. what the, the prereqs were. So like I trained pushups more. I trained Murph a lot, like, you know, but I did it by myself. Yeah. Now, uh, Joe, as, as a trainer, uh, does hearing that, that kind of laissez-faire attitude towards event prep, just make your skin crawl? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Getting further and deeper into it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, like, are, like, are you sitting, are you sitting here tonight hearing her talk about the, yeah, like I'm just wondering if you're listening to her and uh, listeners, forgive us. We're dealing with some lag with Joe, and we're just going to get through it because it's worth it. But like you listen to her talk about DNFing this 200 miler, going, "Yeah, I could have got her through it." Yeah, probably not. She's she's a she's a tough one. <laughs> he's a, he's I a, was working with Joe through the 200 miler. She was. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's never going to be the, able to get through. We had just said, yeah, that's pretty much it. I knew in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, this, this, bitch, she thinks she's going to just like go run 200 miles and then do this. Like, uh, 
Like she doesn't have a chance. I'm just going to be nice to her. <laughs> so, well, now now that Joe's entered the storyline, let, let's let's pivot here a little bit. Let's let's do a second act here on the podcast and uh, and get some background here. So, you know, like how how is it that you find yourself to become this, uh, you know, trainer to the stars, at least in uh, our little corner of the of the Go Ruck Weirdo world around here? Oh man, great question. Uh, not intentionally. It was uh, going through all the events that I've done and then coming out on the other side saying, man, I wonder if I can help people in these events get through these events. And I started just kind of helping people out on, the, on a day-to-day basis. And I'm like, uh, a friend of mine pushed me and was like, hey, man, you should start training people for, like, the monies. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I'll try it. So. Uh, he, he really just, he, he, uh, he pushed me to do that. So it was, uh, it was kind of just by dumb luck, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I, um, I produced your website some today just to, uh, have a bit of the bio somewhere in the back of my head for all this. And I, I gotta say what stood out is that kind of the, the turning point for you, it says in your bio in your, your fitness journey, if I may use cliched and lame language, um, but, uh, was that you found yourself five ten and 189 pounds and this, this just wouldn't do now, as I sit here at five eleven, and we're, we're just going to say over 189 pounds, we don't need to worry about how much we're just going to say over, um, I, you know. I've got a bone to pick that we'll talk about off air, but, uh, so, you know, where, where did you go from that? Like what point were you at in, in life, you know, when you found yourself there? Cause I think, you know, everybody's gone through that, especially if you were, you know, we've kind of talked on Alice and I side about, you know, being school athletes and going up. And I think a lot of people, not everyone, but had that experience where it's like, dude, I was a, I was an absolute, like just dumpster furnace. Cause I was racing BMX. I was a swimmer. I could eat whatever I want, whenever I wanted, like whatever calories I wanted to feed the machine. I was still fit. I was still strong and you get done and you lay off those things and you don't, uh, become like nurse David Goggins here. Like you don't get plugged into, uh, to CrossFit and all of a sudden it becomes easy to find things a little rounder, a little softer, a little heavier, uh, kind of, is that where you were at when that point hit or, or what was going on with you? Yeah, so I was just like Allison. I was not good at anything. So I did nothing. <laughs> so hardly any sports. Uh, anyway, we'll fast forward all the way to that moment. And that was, I guess, my David Goggins moment. And uh, I was uh, living for the weekend, partying, uh had just gotten married and didn't really have a care in the world, just drinking, smoking, not being healthy whatsoever, knew nothing about fitness whatsoever. And then uh, I was like, I just had a moment and I was like, man, you got to, you got to fix yourself. And uh, so there I started my, uh, my change. (laughs) What, what did you start doing? Like what, uh, so bit, I, you know, I mean, I could probably yeah. run through the litany test, but I just kind of, I went into, I was working, uh, for a race team here in Charlotte and, uh, we had a gym there and I was like, 
well, I'll start going to the gym tomorrow. And I walked into the gym and I just started asking questions and doing things and uh, it really just kind of wandering around. But I just kept showing up. That's all I did. <laughs> really, that's all I did was kept showing up. And then I got super uh, fascinated with it and I got addicted to it. And then I had to learn more, push harder, get better, get faster. Uh, other people started pushing me and then, uh, you know, found GORUCK. And then I was like, ooh, this is, this is good. This is me. This is what I need to find. And it just kept going. I got a rabbit trail with you a little bit because it's rare these days that I can tell someone who I'm named after and it means anything, but it probably already clicked for you based on what you just said that I'm named after Kale Yarbrough. Yep. So I need to know, uh, which for the people who go Kale who, uh, Kale Yarbrough's one of the uh, winningest, most famous uh, NASCAR drivers of all time. I was going to say Winston Cup, which it should still be called. Uh, but, uh, Kale was an awesome guy and it's been, been great for the sport and that's who I'm named after. So I need to know, uh, what shop you were working at, what level of racing you were working on. Uh, so I've been in racing for about 20 years now and I was working at, uh, Penske racing, uh, for about seven years. All right. In uh, for, for what series? Uh, cup series or just across the board. So you were working at a shop, you know, you said there was a gym there. A, a lot of people don't know this. Like, um, NASCAR is not like these, this pretty boy, boy, open wheel racing. They still do real pit stops. Now we can talk about whether or not the stock cars are still stock cars. I've got my own issues and, uh, you know, progressive transmissions don't belong in stock cars, all that fun stuff. But since they do real pit stops, those are big boys and they recruit D one athletes. So I'm guessing you were working out around some legitimate athletes. Yes, absolutely. Every one of them were, uh, D one wrestlers. They were, uh, NFL players who might've got hurt and just couldn't play anymore, but they could do this. Uh, so yeah, I was around some, uh, phenomenal people. So definitely some extra motivation there. What, how'd you end up finding go Ruck? Uh, through a group called F3, and they kind of pushed me into the into the world and said, "Oh, you should try this, and it's it's not that bad." And then it turned out to be bad. <laughs> uh, no, F3 is fantastic. I, I rock with a local F3 group here, and they like. I'd known of F3 forever because you can't be around Go Rock and not know of them. And uh, I don't know of any group on the planet, secular, religious, or otherwise, that evangelizes uh, with more enthusiasm than F3. I've been chased down out on rucks by guys from F3 groups. Like I'm rucking by their workout, and you just hear somebody yelling, "Hey, hey, GRT!" I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." I'm like, "No, guys, I love you. I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm just going. I'm just going for a ruck here." But I got sideways recruited into a group here lately. Uh, ran into a guy at my kid's school, and he, he saw my ruck. Uh, he's like, "Oh, you know about go ruck?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, kinda." And uh, he's like, "Well, there's a bunch of us that rock in the neighborhood. Like once a week here." I'm like, I'm "Like, all right." I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get together and rock with anybody. And I've been wanting to log more mileage lately. Little did I know, like, you show up once 
Um, I mean, it's basically like a frat movie. You're initiated. There's a nickname. Like they just assume that you're in. There may or may not be a paddle involved. It might depend on where, you know, what AO you're in. Uh, but so I, yeah, I've got an F3 name now that I, I will not be sharing on the podcast, but so that's, that's certainly an awesome way to get in and, and a pretty common story. Yeah, that is uh, very common. It was, uh, Hey, you show up to this, uh, workout down by the lake where I live at and, uh, we work out. Oh, what do you do? Uh, we just pick up rocks and stuff. And that's <laughs> All right. Yeah. We pick things up. We put them down. I tell the local group all the time. I'm like, if you guys ever want to stop wasting any quality rucking time on these workouts that you're doing, let me know. And I will come on those days too. (laughs) That's definitely fair. I also, you know, a lot of times, so listeners, F3, it's, it's this men group. Their focus is, uh, uh, what are the three Fs, dude? It's, it's fitness, faith, and I, I think fellowship, but it, it's a men's group. It's free workouts. It's, it's, uh, free gatherings. It's, it's a good, wholesome fun. And it's, it tends to be good guy. I mean, you find any group and I think both of you will agree. This is part of what's so attractive about go ruck or about things like this. You find a group of people doing hard things or working to improve themselves, you're not going to find many turds in that punch bowl. Like it just tends to be quality people that are seeking out to do those, those kinds of things. You find the rare exception. Um, but, uh, but F3, uh, a pretty cool and, uh, and great group. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing awesome stuff. So, but I do a lot of times the rucks, at least in, in our area, they plan it as like a ruck run. Like some people are going to show up and run and I rag the runners nonstop. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. The ruck's too much for you today. I'm sorry. You can't handle the weight of the ruck or just like, you know, you could be happy. Like you never see anybody running with a smile on their face. Everybody with a ruck on is smiling. So good, good natured fun with the F3 groups. So when, uh, you know, you get involved in F3, when kind of, when does training kind of become a profession for you more than a passion and how does go ruck play a role in that for you? Yeah, they don't, uh, it's still a, it's still a fun thing and a passion. Uh, I don't, I don't try to do it. I don't want to call it a profession just yet because <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, it's awesome right now because it's a good thing and it's just, it's just good. But uh, go Ruck plays a big factor in it, man. Like Jason, Emily, uh, DS, uh, Dan plants, uh, cleave, all those guys. Right. And, and girls, they, they really stuck behind me, even though like they do the tribe and training stuff too. But like, they still like support me because I've, you know, I've always supported them and it's just, it's that community and, and all the people that come together to build it. And it's just, it's just helping each other out. Right. So, uh, there's not like a, yeah, there's not like a thing there and that's, what's awesome. Um, but like for go ruck, I just enjoy the community so much that I feel that I've learned a lot through doing events that, I feel like I have something that I can teach people to take into go ruck events, but even, even through their life too, you know, and that's, that's my biggest push is trying to help the people find a way to be better going to bed tonight than when they woke up this morning. 
Yeah. No, that's awesome. So are you, is, is the training a, a side hustle for you? Like, are you still working in racing? Is this not what you're doing all the time? Yeah. So I'm still working, uh, in racing. I'm a, I'm a metal fabricator by trade and I just, uh, do this on the side and, and have a blast with it. Okay, so, so far, I'm keeping track of the follow-on episodes that we need to have. So, clearly, we're going to do an additional episode with Allison just on love life. And then with you, we're <laughs> going to have to do a whole episode on, on racing. So, look, uh, listeners, mark your calendars. We'll, we'll get those booked when, when we wrap up here. Yeah, because, dude, I'll, I'll do a solid couple hours on stock car racing with you for sure. Yeah, we so can do that. Have you like in this journey for you? If you as you progress, like if you have you sought out like, um, you know, are you doing this all from personal experience of what you've learned? Have you you know knocked out like some of the different training, you know, personal trainer and training certifications that are out there now? Like, what are you basing your programming and stuff on that you're doing for everybody? Um, so I've been working at, like one of my best friends is DS, right? So DS started training me when I went yeah. out for my yeah. first selection. And like I said, I've become super obsessed with it. And he kind of took notice of that. And he kind of started mentoring me on, because he's, he's a trainer and I'm pretty, I think everything, maybe not yoga. Maybe that's just Dan plants, but, um, <laughs> but, but he, uh, now he, he mentored me a lot on how to do things and he taught. So instead of just training me like, Hey, do these things. Uh, he noticed that I wanted to learn about it. So he started teaching me how to do these things. Uh, and then we went off to uh, do the sandbag and ruck training, uh, which was kind of like, it's kind of like the sandbag and ruck training version of CrossFit level one. Right. And then um, yeah, I've been to that. Uh, so from there, I just kind of keep progressing and learning. And uh, I talked to DS on a daily and it's either a mentor or, or making fun of each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little worried right now. So DS, he's a friend of the podcast. He's been on a couple of times now for the longest time. His first episode on the podcast was our most listened to episode across not, like all platforms. Anymore. And then we just, th not anymore. <laughs> We've grown a little, thank God, but he's still, he's definitely a podcast favorite around here. And, we just got, you know, if you're on social media, you know, everybody just got their Spotify wrapped because everybody's posting about it. And we did too. Um, and so on Spotify still uh, this year, his his second episode was our most listened to episode on Spotify this year. If you branch out to everything else, it, it, it gets a little different. Uh, but he's definitely still a podcast favorite. But then I say I'm a little worried because he posted uh, a video of himself on Insta using one of the little jaw exercises, exercisers today, those bite down things. And what I messaged so him and I'm like, Hey bro, does Pax know you stole his binky and he <laughs> hasn't responded. So I'm a little afraid that either like a J dam is going to get dropped on my house or he's just going to choke me out next time I see him. I feel like those are equally likely outcomes, uh, but I stand by the joke. I think it needed to be made. Yeah. Don't be scared. Uh, so, so then, um, what's, what's your background with events? I don't think it had clicked for me that you had done selection too. So when, when was your first attempt and kind of what's, what's your selection story? 
All right. Um, yeah, so 2019 was my first selection attempt. Uh, that was the year Chad Malone did his first one as well. Um, Chad and I actually met at a HTL in Charlotte, and we actually became good friends out of that and started training together, you know, vir like, you know, virtually staying in close contact, uh, going to the event. Um, I called it quits about 20-something hours in, something like that, and then he did shortly after the halfway break. And then we come out of there with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder and train together still. Um, you know, he's up in D.C. and I'm down in Charlotte area. So uh, we trained mm -hmm. together for that. We went back and uh, he prevailed and uh, I didn't. <laughs> so um, this last time at this last time uh, was when Chad finished. Uh, we were doing the Chad and. Uh, I passed out cold, blacked out, doing the Chad. Oh. So that was cool. Dang. Is, um, so, you know, having both experiences, um, what, what, what pissed you off more? Like, were you mad at yourself for dropping out of the first one or for med dropping the second one? way matter for the first one because I had to live with that for two years because they didn't have selection the following year, uh, in 2020. Yeah. 2020. So it was like, it was bad because the first time I quit, right? Like quit, like, uh, Kendra Heath's got a patch that I wear in my rough all the time. It says, uh, quitting is forever. And that is so true. <laughs> so um, going yeah. back, uh, you know, I, I beat the no quit, right? Uh, but I didn't, the body just didn't, uh, didn't like it anymore. We had to go, we had to power off, battery dead. Gosh. That's first. Now I've passed out a few times in life. Um, nothing so cool as like extreme physical exertion over like a 24 hour period. Um, but every time I've passed out a, I immediately went into like a, a pretty pleasant dream state and then, uh, like was not aware of the passing out at all as I came to, to the smell of ammonia or being lightly slapped on the face. So like, would you come out of that thinking you're still in it? Let's go. Or did you know our, our crap? No, I, uh, everything just went dark and then, uh, Kateri LDB, like, I guess caught the sandbag and me from falling off of the hay bales. And the next thing I knew, I didn't even, I kind of felt it, but I didn't really know what was going on. And then, uh, I woke up and my shoes were off and I said, why am I not stepping up? And they were like, bro, you, you, you've been out for a minute. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's tough, man. I, I remember watching, I, I don't remember that, but I remember watching, did you guys have to do Chad multiple times during that one? No, we just did, we did the Chad right at daylight. Like as soon as daylight broke, we started doing it. Um, right before that we did, I don't know. I didn't have a stopwatch, but 
it's been somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half of 80 pound sandbag with ruck on lunges and the sandbag never touched the ground. Good Lord. And that, dude. Was the, that was the worst thing I've ever done. I, uh, I hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listeners, you're, you're getting, you're getting a glimpse here. We're, we're definitely going to talk some more of the realities of when we, when we talk about selection and, and this being a tier one event, we'll, we'll try and paint some more of that picture. And I think you're starting to get it, but um, you know, as we're talking about Chad, for the listeners, you, if you're a regular listener, you know about this because we've been promoting Chad 1000X here uh, on the podcast uh, for a few years here now. Had Sarah Wilkinson on the podcast and, and big supporters of the Step Up Foundation, but he's talking about Chad 1000X not as a sole thing. Like, I went and did this and it kicked my butt just doing this pleasantly in a CrossFit gym with big fans running overhead and music and friends. And it kicked my butt then, and they were doing this as an evolution in the middle of this event. And it's so brutal to hear you talk about it, not just because you passed out, but you know, listeners, typically if you're doing Chad, the Chad 1000X, so it's a thousand step-ups, there's variations. The quote-unquote expert version is 45 pounds in your ruck on a 20-inch step, but people scale less weight, smaller steps, any combination in between. But you're typically doing this on solid ground, on a solid step, normally like a, a box step, like you'd see at, at the gym or at a CrossFit workout, you're doing it on hay bales. You're probably wet and muddy. And that was Ohio. So you might've been cold. You were doing it with the ruck and the sandbag. Is that right? Yeah. We was doing it with a 60 pound sandbag and whatever our ruck weighed a thousand pounds is what it felt like. And then however <laughs> And however much water was in them. So I'm like, just imagine, uh, you know, like Allison, we'll talk about this, like doing anything in sand. Like I, if I were ever to attempt go ruck selection and I'm never going to, no matter how much Joe is salivating at talking me into it and training right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like just think about anytime you've tried to walk in, in sand and how much more energy that exerts. I just can't do it. Imagine doing Chad on a hay bale where it's like, wobbling and giving. And so that initial step up, that energy that's normally lifting you up is just pressing your foot down in. So you're doing extra energy, extra work output at the beginning of the movement that's still not getting you through the movement and then getting yourself up. And you've already been at it for a while. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see, I can see passing out. I don't think there's any shame in that one. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was still, it was rough. Um, you know, once the, once LDD, LDB saved my life with water, uh, the, uh, you know, everything started soaking in and it was, uh, it was hard. It was hard to, it was hard to process, you know, but, yeah. um, that's kind of where we're, uh, that's how we got to where we are today. So, and that would have, so that was before. The first go ruck games at Sandlot Jacks. Is that right on my timeline? Yep. So yeah. So I went to the go ruck games the following year in 2022. So I, we won't. I mean, we could dig into go ruck games in and of itself. And we we actually did. I think that was our second episode with DS this past year. It was our go ruck games recap from this past year. So if you want to hear about the go ruck games and what that's all about, it's pretty awesome. You can go back and listen to that episode. It's great. But so at, at this point in time, so 
Allison, you're coming up on your first selection. You're coming off of your your second attempt, Joe. Are, are you guys you guys are on each other's radar at this point, right? Like, are you guys you're already training with Joe at this point for the first go art games? Yeah. Yes. Yep. It was the first that time. Was we, actually, second I met time him we met. for the first time at the go. Yeah. Oh no! Officially, well, I didn't meet you at Bragg. Yeah. Officially, you're, we you're met. Just creeping. Yeah. <laughs> In the go. In the GORUCK world, listeners, we call creeping shadowing. It's when you're just hanging out but not doing the event. In anywhere else, you would be a creep. Uh, but in GORUCK world, you're, you're just chilling. I didn't know that term at first. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are these people just hanging uh, out in the night? <laughs> yes. So how, like, when somebody comes, like, when Allison comes to you, right, with, with this, with the intention to, or to engage you with training, is that you, like, you know, this is a different, she's a different beast, right? Like this is not the average person like, Hey, I want to make sure I can get through, uh, you know, a, a go. I can't ever remember what I'm supposed to call events anymore. Tough challenge. I don't, I, I'm the world's worst affiliate. This is why I don't get a discount code in the free gear. I just get like the affiliate link. This is why if I could name the events properly, <laughs> I'd get more love. Um, uh, but like, how does your approach change? with an athlete like Allison, like she comes to you and you know, there's, there's big targets on her map, right? Yeah. So it becomes a very serious conversation. Like this is what it's like. This is what training sort of looks like in your life. And you got to be okay with that every day. <laughs> and you got to kind of, Cause it like for go rock selection, it's not just the event that's hard. It's, it's training. That's hard because you have to switch your mindset to say every day I wake up, did I get enough sleep today? Did I eat the right things today? Did I train properly today or train optimally today? Like all these factors play a factor and you have to change. You have to have so much yeah. self-discipline to train for something like go Ruck selection that um, I always say that there's some folks that show up for go, go Ruck selection who just want to see what it's like. Like they just want to, they want to be in the stack and feel it. And then you got folks that show up that think they train for it, that think they have a good chance of making it through. And then you got folks that train for it, that have a legitimate shot at, passing go ruck selection because they did all the right things. And then sometimes that doesn't pan out for them, but, um, but you got to figure out where that person is. Right. And then you got to say, okay, this is a person who legit. I mean, I, I think I even text or, uh, uh, I think I text Cleve last year when Allison was in and I said, bro, I mean, even before it started, I was like, you're going to have a selection. You're going to have a female selection finisher this year. And he's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> so like <laughs> you know very very stoic and uh but uh yeah you know and i stuck behind that because you can start seeing like even in the virtual side of it uh what allison was doing extra and like she had it figured out and she was learning asking questions if we didn't know the answer to that question we figured out the answer to that question like she was determined to pass go ruck selection and you could just you can just tell like you can almost see it in their eyes you can you can see it in their training and then i mean allison's 
you know, we've talked about it before. It's like, yeah, this, you know, this person, I heard they're going to selection and this is how they're training. And it's like, mm, nope, not going to happen. But it's not that they're doing bad training. They just, they're, they're trying to do too much. You know, they're going out, still doing Spartan races. They're still doing yeah. these other things when they're not focused on go rep selection because you have to be, you got to be a hundred percent dialed in. Cause like when she was talking about that 200 miler, I was like, well, I don't like it. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, and, and that said, like this thing is such a beast that like you can do everything right. You, you can be solely focused on this. You can dial everything in. You can have all the head knowledge, all the physical capability. Um, and I, I mean, we all know you guys more so than me, but we all know people in this community, know them or know of them who you would think, you know, same as you would look at somebody and be like, nah, it, it ain't, it ain't you. Like, it'll be a good, you'll grow. It'll be a good experience for you, but it ain't you. But I mean, there's people you would think like, this'll be in the bag. And it's just not because it really is a, a different beast, um, you know. And so, like, my one of my follow-on questions was going to be to you, Allison, was like, was what was being proposed to you training-wise, was this a shock to your system? Was this different than what you had been been working on in programming for events before? And instead, of course, no, it sounds like you went, hey, guys, can you give me some more? <laughs> I mean, I always, well, the first, the first year, I will say the training for how I trained for it the first year versus this past year, um, I definitely approached differently. Um, you know, the first year, like I took it seriously, but I was still training for like a 200 miler. Um, I did a Spartan ultra a month before selection happened. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was my priority, but, um, I wasn't necessarily training that way. I, you could say, um, like doing events like that. So close to selection. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when I finished, when I finished, when I quit the first year, um, and we were all, you know, at the, the barbecue, the failure barbecue <laughs> at headquarters, um, and Jason, and I think it was Aaron Hand, you know, they were like having beers up front or something. And, um, and we were saying goodbye. And they were just like, you know, like, we don't know who you are. <clears throat> like, we don't know who you are. You know, where did you come from? Like, why haven't you done events? Like, you know, you're, you're obviously good, but nobody knows who the hell you are. Like, like if you just, you know, do some events, you know, do more go rock stuff, do more, just do more. Yeah. Then they're like, there's no reason you can't do this. Like come back and do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so you, I kind of made, oh, yeah. did you go into that first one unsure or were you feeling confident in finishing? You know, it's funny. I had no doubt that I would make it. I was like, I'll do it. It's fine. Um, it was just weird. Mindset wise, it was weird. Like I started and I was just kind of like, you know, if I don't make it, it's okay. If I get a strike, it's okay. Like for whatever reason, as soon as we started, I was just like, you know, I'll go as long as I can, but it is what it is. 
which I only say is funny because it's not at all what my mindset was like in training or leading up to it. You know, it was very much like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know, life it's, is good. <laughs> it's funny. Like, uh, you know, I've been sitting here a, a little in, like, maybe, and I don't know what the right word to say is, like, in awe or flabbergasted that it wasn't like this progression, right? Because there's a lot of that. There's that person that, like, rucked with a friend or got sucked to an event and caught the bug and did a bunch of stuff and they did everything else but, and this was the next thing right? There's a fair amount of that in the community, right? Like you've done the heavy heavies, you've done 48 hours of go rug stuff. And like, this is your next thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's Joe's story. Right. But like, I'm listening to you talk about this and I almost think it's, it's a bit of an advantage almost to come in cold because when you're that, when you're the go ruck fanboy, right? Like I'm always trying to pin down my go ruck bona fides. Like I've got this old, old, and I still wear it. Go ruck, kill that 5k t-shirt that I wear when I want to demonstrate. Like it, it's like being punk rock, right? Like I loved the band before everybody knew who they were kind of thing, you know? And my, like my tack hat is almost the OG. It's so close. And I'm so mad that it's not like first run, um, you know? So like, but some of these things and some of these people are mythical, right? Like within the go ruck community and it's changed over the years. And like with anything punk rock, like when the band gets popular, there's people who are pissed off about that. And you know, there's, there's been whatever, but to me, go rucks always been going, but I'm like around selection. If this is what you're into, I'm like, we wear patches of these people. We wear patches, not to just to commemorate finishers. We wear patches to commemorate people who failed gloriously, Right. Like, you know, like you'll rock their roster number because you're like, dang, that was epic. Right. And so, but you didn't have any of that buildup. There was none of this mysticism to it. This was, was. (laughs) this was the next endurance event. I was, you know, and I, I think being the dark horse the first year was awesome. Um, It was, it was a lot less pressure, honestly, because I knew who nobody was. Um, I had no idea who Rachel Lotz was. I, I didn't know Gabe. I, I had no idea who was it. Ben Perry. I had no idea who Ben was. All these people that were like big names, like I had no clue who they were. They obviously didn't know who I was because I know afterwards Gabe was like, who is this chick? (laughs) (laughs) Like she did all right, but I have no idea who she is or where she came from. I mean, that's essentially what you know, Jason said was like, you know, who are you? Um, and I thought that was great. (laughs) It's, it's less pressure, but. So um, this, uh, let's talk through the event just a little bit. And I want, I want to spend more time on, on the one you finished than this one, but your first one, this was, they, they bounce around a little bit, normally back and forth between Jacksonville beach and a very special hill in Ohio. Um, and then, uh, next summer there's a, a super special snowflake, uh, selection coming. But, um, so your first attempt was Jacksonville. I don't now I'm, I'm a Florida boy. I'm not a native, but I've been here for the vast majority of my life. I've lived in central Florida since 1986. Um, I'm supposed to love the beach. I hate the freaking beach. All right. The swimmer in me loves the water. I'll go spend all day in the water. I loathe sand. 
All right. Sand, it, it's like it's like Satan's glitter, right? It gets everywhere. It sticks to everything. It's abrasive. It's annoying. You can't clean it off. It's in the car. It's in the ruck. It's in the hat. It's in your sandwich. It's in your drink. Sand is the worst. I don't understand why anybody, anybody ever wants to attempt a selection in Jacksonville Beach. I did a, my first event ever was a light in Jacksonville Beach. Um, it was the first event we've talked about it on the pod with Jason. I have pictures to prove this. It was the first event, Jason McCarthy. So listeners, founder, it's co-founder of GoRuck, Jason. It was the first event he ever did as a participant. So I've carried some weight with Jason and I'm very proud of that fact. Actually, it was this water bladder thing. I'm, we talked about me being 5'11", Jason's, you know, seven foot eight and water flows downhill. I suffered a little bit carrying that water bladder around our shoulders with him and it was worth it. Uh, but, uh, and even then I'm like, a light was a few hours. It was pretty brutal, but the sand was by far the worst part. And yet there, there you find yourself. And so, um, run us through a little bit of the beginning and then let's talk through that event a little bit. So you show up to selection. My guess is there's a bunch of nervous people milling around trying to not look nervous. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're talking about the first one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take it back to like my job and, and everything. Like I'm pretty good at being calm under pressure. Um, and you know, up to this point, like I had talked to Joe a lot. Cause I think it was just me and one other person that he was training that year. Um, so, I mean, we had talked a lot about it and what to expect. And, um, and then Jala, like I became pretty good friends with Jala leading up to that. So, I mean, she had, you know, given me all the tips that she could and, and like, I kind of knew what to expect and just to kind of roll with it. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm all right with being yelled at. You know, my dad was one of those dads that, you know, he would, <laughs> I don't know, you know, yell at you to hold the flashlight steady. Like, like I'm used to it. Like, it's just like harmless yelling. So, um, yeah, no, it was honestly, it was kind of entertaining to see like how nervous some people were. Uh, cause you know, there's the people that are just like shaking, and like sweating profusely and like we haven't even done anything yet. And it's, it's kind of fun to like look around and, and just see what's happening. Um, cause no, I felt really, I think because I had no idea what was happening, I was just like, I'm just doing what I'm told. Like this is, <laughs> this is no big deal. <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of oblivious up until I think it was just me and Rachel that were left. And, um, and then I was like, all right, now there's a lot of attention on me right now. And I'm not quite sure how to take that. But in the initial like chaos of everything, it was totally fine. I was like, this is entertaining. So is the first evolution, was it just the basic fitness test? Yeah. Yeah, we, um, yeah, we went over to some park and we did the push-ups and sit-ups. And then they did, that Which year they did. I was going to say this, this changed between these year, your attempts, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that year was push-ups, sit-ups, and then they had four different part. I mean, I don't know, four different stages, workouts, at, yeah. which it sounds like they were just testing for the BFF that was going to come. So, and, and this for the listeners, I mean, this is, it, it's like a basic fitness test. It's like 
do X number of push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups in X amount of time. This is, there's plenty of unknown factors to selection participants. This is a very well-known factor. Like, you know, everybody knows this is coming. They know what the standard is. They know what the format is. And there are still people that fail to meet the standard and or drop during this portion of selection every time. Oh, yeah. 14 that year. (laughs) So obviously, you guys have both been through this. I haven't. What do you think plays into that? Because these are not unserious, typically, except for the the one dude that rolled up on a bike um, a couple of years ago. Like, (laughs) these are not unfit or unserious people. Are... What happens there? Are they just too in their heads? I think some of them are, but I think it's a there's a lot of events people just don't train for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people, like, they can have, you know, like, selection. They have the prereqs there, you know, like, or not the prereqs, but you need to do this. You know, it doesn't change, or until this year, it didn't change. You know, train for it. And a lot of people just don't, which... It blows my mind, but, you know, every event that I've done, I mean, to this day, there's always somebody or multiple people that just don't take it seriously. And yeah, they just, they just bomb. Yeah. Or the nerves really do get to them because, I mean, it's quiet. They're already yelling at you. You already feel like a failure. (laughs) And the event hasn't even started yet. So yeah, some people well, get nervous. Well, and I talked about this when I had Gabe on because I feel like this had to be such a weird experience for him. And, and listeners, you can go back and, and find Gabe's episode. I, I can't quite remember. A, a better podcaster would have the number. I don't know. There's a search function in your podcast app. It'll work. Um, but because like here, Gabe's working at SCARS, right? Like he's plugged into the community. He's working day in and day out. The cadre are friends, right? They're coworkers. And then for people, you know, like Joe that we talked about, where your path to selection is through all these events, you get to know the cadre. You do like you'll book events around the cadre rather than the event. Like it's it becomes a relationship. And while, you know, they're not all warm, snuggly, and cuddles during normal events, like they're there to help you succeed and they're the one to patch you at the end. And like you form a close relationship. And so it's like, For Gabe, you show up to these people you're working with and you're at selection, all of a sudden, they are not your buddy. Like, they flip, you know, there's the background conversations that they have, and that's one of my favorite things about watching the the streams of these events and watching the coverage is hearing the conversations the cadre are having away from the participants when they really are rooting for people and they really are pulling for people. But uh, you guys get no indication of that unless somebody screws up and calls you Allison instead of 08. Um, but, um, you know, like that's a different dynamic too, where if your only experience with these, you know, if you haven't watched the documentary about selection, if you haven't watched the streams, or maybe you think you have, but it's just going to be different for you, and you show up and that cadre you have a relationship with could not care less about your relationship as it pertains to this event, I think probably has to be a shock to the system for some people. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> That's why it was nice not having a relationship with anybody. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know any of you people. I don't like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> our, our friendship is over. I, okay, yeah, I like, guess. Um, whatever. I don't even know your name. <laughs> uh, I, this is the best 
possible story of a selection finisher I can imagine. Unless somebody like comes back from like uh per, like complete paralysis below the neck and complete selection, it's gonna be tough. It'll be tough to top this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. No so, Joe passed it. <laughs> <laughs> so from from basic fitness, does it go into welcome party or is that when you get into gear and bag dump? Because the gear and bag dump is always mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to watch. <laughs> <laughs> they Man, the, I feel like both years. So first year and this year, um, it was delayed. I'll say I expected it to be, you know, PT test, truck dump, 12 miler. Like that's kind of what I expected. Neither year did that happen. Um, the first year we did the PT test. We did the, the BFF tester workouts or whatever. And then we did like a five mile ruck down the beach um, with our kit bags and everything. And then we finally did the ruck dump. And then after the ruck dump, we went into the welcome party. Uh, Welcome party, we went into the 12 miler. Um, This year we did the BFF test and then we went right into the 12 miler. And then after the 12 miler, we did the ruck dump. And then the welcome party started. So uh, you, uh, for the listeners, you guys fill me in if I get anything wrong here. So the rock dump is exactly what it sounds like. And again, this is like a super known this- thing. You can go, you as a, as you can have never done a go rock event in your life. You can go on the website right now and you can find everything you're supposed to have with you as a participant in selection. You can print the list. You could turn it into a checklist. You could, you could, you could like laminate it and and with a dry erase marker you could check off all your stuff it could not be easier as jason would say it's very fair it's very fair and so you know everybody falls into a formation in the cadre it's a part of it really is kind of is a safety inspection it's making sure you have everything but they're just messing with your head so all the stuff that you've packed prettily i pride myself at all times i can reach into any of my rucks blind and grab whatever I want and know exactly where it's at. They want to make sure that you guys cannot do that. So they're both verifying that you have everything you're supposed to have and making sure that you have no idea where it's at and that it's not at all in the condition that you want it to be in in your ruck. So not only are you having to dump all these things out, grab what they're telling you to hold up and demonstrate that you have it, but then you're getting a very unreasonable amount of time to get everything back in your ruck. So if you're, this is not like the evolution for the OCD person. You're not going to like this. And still, like people get so tripped up during that. People without fail don't have all their crap and can't get everything back in their ruck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And everyone has it really neatly in a dry bag and then they have to dump the dry bag out or they have four dry bags and they have to dump all of them out. And it's just, it makes you feel really good about yourself if you did it right. And you just threw everything in your. <laughs> it's, so that's what I was going to say. You two have been through this. What's the play there to. Yeah. Is the play there just to not care from the beginning, shove it in like a winner and same thing when you're done half zip the sides of your ruck and just shove everything in through the top and get done. That's it. Yeah. Thank God. Joe, um, Joe, <laughs> Joe, Joe taught me, if Joe hadn't have told me that, um, you know, the, fir- the first go around, it still took me five tries in 22 to so get terrible. stuff together. But, um, 
it was really bad. <laughs> but but even then, like I, I could dump it really easy. But, you know, if Joe hadn't have told me like, you know, throw it all in, I would have totally had like my stuff in like zippers and dry bags and neatly organized and everything. But but um no, this this go around, it was seamless. Like the, the stars aligned. Like I reached in, I grabbed exactly what I needed. I was done the first time. It's like, who am I? <laughs> well, and and the problem is, like, this shouldn't be a particularly tough evolution in the event. But where it really trips people up is, I feel like this is where a lot of people end up on the cadre's radar. That's avoidable. Oh, yeah. And once you have attention, boy, does it seem hard to get rid of it? Hundred percent. Yeah. It's just those easy strikes that, you know, avoid it if you can. And you can. Yeah. <laughs> just take a breath and think for, about it. For both of you, did you guys, of all the things you were training, did you guys train the bag dump at all? Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> uh, uh, so, you know, we did it for team assessment as well. So I did my first selection and team assessment and another selection. And the I trained for about the first or the last month of my first selection. I would train it every day. And then for team assessment, I trained it probably the last week. And then for this last selection, I, I think I did like a couple little runs and then we were, we were good. Did they, I can't believe I don't uh, know this already. Uh, I'm a little ashamed as a fanboy. Do they specify what ruck you guys use? Um, I think it's just any rucker, but you can use a GR1 or GR2. I think yeah, if you just, just I don't know if you ruck. have to like tell them about it. It just has to be a go ruck thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like the more volume, the better. In this, like, if you, if you went with a larger ruck so that this part isn't as hard because it's easier just to cram everything in and zip it up, like, I, I just watch some participants are just, when everything's not folded and neat, they just have the hardest time even getting their ruck zipped. Do, do you pay a price elsewhere if you're carrying more volume than you need? I think if I mean, you're training... I don't think there's any need. <laughs> Sorry. You go... Yeah, you know, keep going. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> well, I, so somebody so go for selection. If if you're carrying a ruck to make sure you can get through the bag dump, you should probably not show up. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That this was a very like normal go ruck participation question, wasn't it? This is like, no, I'd do the long range rucker so I could get through the bag dump. <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm not signing up for selection, guys. This is the reason. Simple, simple is better. The more simple you pack, the better it is. So they they changed it up a little bit. You you you've mentioned the welcome party. This is pretty standard to all Go Ruck events. It just gets a little extra love at selection. The welcome period party is just a period of PT. It's it's physical training. It's just a physical beatdown. Um, it's just chaos. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is. That's what they go for. It's a beat down. It's chaos. It's, I think it's cleave that always has the strobe light in your face. Um, 
yeah, no, everyone's yelling at you. You don't know where you're supposed to go. Like, it's just people are dropping, people are yelling. <laughs> and, There's just loud noises and lights everywhere. <laughs> and at least like for your first selection in Jacksonville, are you, you, are you, you did the, um, the PT test, the predecessor to the BFF in the park, but the welcome party was at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys no are, <laughs> so you guys are wet and sandy doing all this, but I mean, like mm-hmm. you're just, you're just coated in sand. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't really know. I kept thinking like, has the welcome party started? Like, is this the welcome party? <laughs> like, I think it is, but I don't really know. <laughs> So uh, particularly in that first one where you're fresh to all this, I mean, I guess you were still kind of fresh to rucking too. Like I would assume it early in the event, I would think the, the ruck, like doing the five miler or doing the, the pretty standard 12 miler almost comes as a bit of a relief because it's, it's a known, like you, every, like yeah. most of the participants participants go, Oh, okay. I know this. I know rucking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I was really new to rucking. I still, Wrecking is not my strongest thing. <laughs> Wrecking, um, carrying coupons, sandbags, things like that. Not I'm sure if anybody from Go Ruck Marketing is listening in, if you want to pull that quote, just credit the podcast. Rucking is still not my thing. Feel free, just give us credit here at Solid Seven, please. Well, you know that's it's funny. Like doing doing a normal event, um, you know, I think people think like I'm. Oh, it's Allison. Like she's going to crush it. And it's like no, I. I'm not good at this. stuff. <laughs> I'm good at PT. I'm good at that. But, you know, I'm good at getting in water. But yeah, you tell me to go ruck for a while. I'm like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, but but carrying the the pack and everything like that, that was OK. But you could say like my real the start of my downfall that first year was when we did. um when it was just me and Rachel left and, um, well, there was the one other guy, but he dropped pretty soon. Um, we were doing the hundred, it was basically a hundred pound four mile ruck to whatever. I don't know what the name of the park is, wherever the next evolution was going to be. Yeah. We were getting off the beach and that, that was bad. That was, I think like my second or third time carrying a sandbag. Um, it was just awful. Everything about it was terrible. And so that was that was a sixty pound sandbag with your ruck mm-hmm. for four miles. Yeah. Which I mean, listeners, rewind a little bit, and you remember us talking about the Sandlot Jacks, the Go Ruck Games event, how brutal the hundred pound one miler was there. Which, by the way, was on sand and like a paved walking path, or was on like sod, <laughs> like grass and a paved walking path. Um, and if you haven't ever tried it now, consult your doctor first, so I don't get sued or whatever, make sure you're physically capable, but maybe start, if you haven't ever rucked heavy, do 50 or 60 pounds and then try a hundred pound miler. Um, and then if you're okay with that, then do it on sand and then do it wet and sandy and then try to do it for four miles after you've done all these other evolutions. <laughs> but it should have been doable as well. Like that's part of where like training wise, I realized I had a lot of like holes was, um, you know, it's, it's a go ruck event. Like I needed to get better at rucking and carrying things. Cause that's kind of what you do yeah. <laughs> in go ruck. And I just didn't, 
you know, I didn't know. And, um, you know, like I, sh I should have done it and I didn't think to. So it was a hole I discovered. Um, did you, did you drop on strikes or did you choose to? I quit. I'm a, I was avoiding, I, actually, I was avoiding um, the keyword, but I'll let you use it. <laughs> I had zero strikes until that ruck had zero strikes. Um, yeah, that, that evolution, I got to a yellow patch, but I quit with a blank yellow patch. Like it was clean. I could have kept going for a long so, time. Break down for the listeners how that how that works with the patches. So we we talked about everybody gets assigned a roster number. You're you're just you're nameless. You're a number during this event. Mm -hmm. Well, and they changed it too. So yeah, well, you know yeah, how, the one you finished it. Yeah, yeah the strikes were different. <laughs> Everything's different now. Um, but yeah, so essentially, like this this go around, assuming that that's how they're gonna do it from now on, which I guess I'm not sure if they're going to, but, um, assuming they do, we start with the usual tan patch with our number on it. Um, we keep that through the welcome party. And as soon as like the actual event starts, um, then you get, you get a different colored patch per branch. So I think army was green. Army was green. The Marines were red. Air Force, I think, was gray or blue. Um, probably gray, because then Navy would have been blue. But for you essentially get like the Army guys. You get your green patch, and you get up to two, two strikes, third one, you're out um, for each of those um, branches. And at first, it doesn't sound like that bad. Like, you know, oh, I'm not going to get, you know, two strikes or three strikes on an evolution. But um, the tricky thing was, is they each got like two evolutions with you. So you had plenty of opportunities to really suck and get struck out. <laughs> um, and then actually after the last evolution was the Air Force one before the long walk started. And I honestly don't even know what patch I had on me at that point. I don't know if I got my tan one back or or what I wound up with, but yeah, they, I don't know. At that point they would take them off, put them on. <laughs> it's like, you just tell me what to do guys. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was such a different system this year. It was, it was interesting to watch from the outside in. It was also, it was such a cool event. This one that you finished it, the most, most recent one in Ohio, just because like it was funny again, like having been around go work for so long, uh, seeing uh, Emily and Jason's son, Ryan, out or uh, Jack was out there, right? Um, so much. And it was funny watching people who had just like come to this fresh and they're seeing this little boy hearing these cadre talk like cadre. And a few people popped off. They're like, that kid should not be around this. And everybody sounded off. They're like, that kid could teach you words you have not heard. Like, these are his uncles. It's okay. Like, He's, he's fine, they were <laughs> but, but watching that format, I, I gotta say from watching from the outside in and uh, I'd be so, I mean, Joe, it's, it's interesting cause you're so integral. You've been in the event, you helped train for the event, but then you're still, you're stuck watching with the rest of us schmucks. So I'd be interested to hear if there were points you're watching where you had concerns or if you knew all along, like you had the inside track and she's going to finish. But when I was watching you 
with Sparks. I think probably during his second evolution, there was no mercy in that dude. And I'm like, how, how do you not, how do you not <laughs> right? like, how do you just go? Yeah, this is, this is worth it. I'm going to take more of this. And this had already been a special event. So we, we talked about how brutal the sand is in Jacksonville listeners where they're at in Ohio. Um, it's actually by Jason's dad's house and it's this very special location with this very special hill from hell that leads down to some water. GORUCK has a unique ability, the GORUCK cadre, to find water wherever they're at. But at this location, it's not particularly hard. Um, and just watching some of, uh, you know, every, every event, every GORUCK event has its own special little touches. There's something that makes everything a little different, and that's no different for selection. And like watching, I, we were, I can't remember where you guys were at, around the 20-hour mark. I'm sure you lose all track of time. But doing the, I didn't catch the name of that evolution, but the crossbars on your back with the five-gallon buckets yeah. on each side. I mean, you guys are basically reenacting the crucifixion of Christ, and you're having yeah. to tote these things up this slippery, muddy hill in the middle of the night, 20, 22 yeah. hours in. Uh, it was just one of the more brutal evolutions I recall seeing. That wasn't even because that was the first night. So, I mean, that's like 18 hours in, like we're not, no, not even 18 hours. I felt I mean, like it was super far in. What was it earlier? I think it might've been like 12 hours in. I feel like it barely started. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, um, so it was sandbags. It was 60 pound sandbags on either side of a two by four. Um, which it was just funny because JC was like, all right, get on your backs. And none of, none of us could get it on our backs. <laughs> we had to have volunteers, um, help lift it up onto our rucksacks. Um, no, that one was, that was awful. That was so bad. <laughs> it, that, that, you bring up an interesting point that this is part of what boggles my mind about things like this. Now, again, I, I, I don't deign to put myself on the same pedals or anything, but I, I've done not on your par, but I've done some things like you're, you're probably the stuff you've done probably puts you in a top percentile or half a percentile of things people would do in this vein, right? Like they talk about, you see marathons and you think everybody's done a marathon, but really it's this tiny percentage of, of people that will ever do a marathon so that I've done like centuries on the bike. Like I've done this endurance, like deep pain, well thing. Right. Um, but I think a lot of people and myself included, um, like have done a workout, have put themselves at a point where they at least believed they were at a point where they could not physically continue the movement. They're trying to move their body or move their weight. And the muscles are saying no, and they're failing and they're done. You're 18 hours into this thing, still the rucksack on your back. And it's like, okay, now with weight in it, with your gear in it. So it's not just the prescribed weight. There's additional weight. And then it's like, okay, go, let's, we're going to go ahead and put another 120 pounds on your back or another 80 pounds or whatever it is. And oh, by the way, it's going to be hanging three feet off of you from either side and you're going to balance and go up this hill. Like, what's the difference um, in 
it really in anybody, when we're looking at the actual military selections, when you're looking at the people that what you've done, what the people to your right and left have done doing these things, what's, what's the difference when somebody's body and muscles are saying, no, we're expended. We can't do that, but you keep going where everybody else would throw up the deuces. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of like what Joe said before, like quitting that first year, um, you know, I knew what that felt like. I knew I was like, you know, I'm not, I know I'm not quitting. I'm definitely not quitting. Um, and I think I'm just used to, you know, you know, the thought like your, your body will keep going. If you just keep, just keep moving, just forward motion. You know, I, I knew enough to know, like, they just, they want to see you keep moving to the best of your ability. Um, and that's really all I was thinking about was like, how can I keep moving forward and not get pinned down? Um, that was it. Like I, um, it's hard to describe mindset wise. I was in a really good place, like the entire weekend with the exception of maybe one or two times. Um, I was very in the moment. Like I was thinking yeah. really clearly. Um, I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't, I just wasn't thinking about stopping. It was just, you know, if, if my time comes and I'm dropped for whatever reason, then I know that I gave it my all. If my body fails, then, you know, I did what I could. Like, it's not from lack of training. Like, you know, I just did everything that I could. So that's just kind of what I was thinking about was, you know, whatever comes to pass is going to pass, but until I'm sitting on the sidelines, I'm just going to keep moving forward. Yeah. I I know, know, you know, we've, we've mentioned Goggins a few times jokingly here for the listeners. If you're not familiar, it's, it's David Goggins and and he's an interesting guy and he can be polarizing and he's eccentric, but he's, he's also awesome, but I can't remember his exact stats. I I know I've heard him mention um, just as part of his regular spiel, like what percentage most people actually have left in the tank when they quit, when they think they're done, what percentage is actually left there? And I can't remember what he, he pegs it at, but I mean, when you, when you hear him say that, or you kind of hear that ideology, does that ring true for both of you? You think there's, for a lot of people, you think there's what most people think is the stopping point is is really some, some smaller percentage than a hundred. I agree with that. I, I would say from, from doing the, the little events myself and stuff like the, you know, the, um, you know, longer star courses, no ultras, um, but, and doing the longer cycling events. Like, I don't know that I've experienced it to the extent that you guys have, but it is, that's what I, I do love about the go Ruck events is that, that team aspect, but, and then having the cadre and your teammates there to push you, it's, um, you know, it's not unlike organized sports, you know, like I played baseball growing up, there is, you, you reach that stopping point. I mean, in the, in the regular events, you're doing a welcome party and you're doing long ruck movements, but you've got somebody there a to help when you feel like you're at a breaking point, but also that you don't want to let down, right? It's like the, the whole team, the events harder for everybody else if I don't come through. And I think a lot of people end up, you know, when they go through just a standard go ruck event, I think they'd be surprised where their actual breaking point is. I I think that's part of the magic behind the events, at least as I've experienced them. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen people bow out 
shouldn't have. Yeah. When, uh, when in this last one, was there a point in this last one prior to the end that you knew you had it? I mean, as soon as the long walk started, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm good. But, um, no, that last, honestly, that last evolution, um, with Roger Sparks, um, I'm not sure how much got live streamed of it or not, but, um, I mean, I was slowing down like my, my back, by the time we started the long walk, my back was so shot. Um, I mean, I couldn't stand up straight. Like it was, it was just gone. And, um, whatever we were, it was always with jerry cans. <laughs> and, um, we got to a point where, um, I had, he gave me five minutes to get down to the river with these jerry cans. And I was just like, you know, I'll do what I can, <laughs> but, um, I mean, and they're all around me. I know that they're all around me, but I just, I had no grip strength. Like my back was, it was just at the point where I'm like, I don't know if I can deadlift these things up. And, um, finally, like just in like moments of desperation, I like got my forearms under there somehow and like made this little dash. Um, and that was a moment I was like, you know, I don't know if I made it in five minutes. I don't know if this is a strikeable thing, but if it is like, this is my last strike. Um, I made it there in four fifty three, And as soon as he said four fifty three, I was like, I got it. <laughs> like, like I beat the evolution. I think we're going to walk. Like I can walk, like, let's do it. So after that last, after that last panic, like, I felt pretty good. It was like, I hurt, but I can keep moving. When did it, when did it go down to one? When was it just you? Right before that evolution. So we were doing, um, the deck of cards with Cleve and JC. Um, and right after that is when it was just me. Was, was that an inflection point? Like, was it worrying at all when it came down to just you or was it like, it was great. <laughs> You know, I, do, I don't want to say it was great because I really do, um, you know, the guy that I was doing it with, like, you know, I know how bad people want it. Like, yeah. you know, to get that far, like you want it, you want it to happen. So, I mean, I felt, I did feel really bad for him, but, you know, once I got over, once I got over that and I was like, you know, that, you know, acknowledge it and move on. Um, it was really good for me because the things that we were good at opposite things. So he was a really good rucker. Um, he was good at the sandbag stuff, the sandbag like carries and everything. And, um, I was better at PT stuff. So once he was gone, you know, I wasn't always second place on those things. <laughs> um, so it was really, it was kind of nice. Yeah. It was kind of nice. Cause you already get all the attention anyways, when there's yes. so many cadre and two people. So, you know, what's, what's a little more of a spotlight. <laughs> Pays to be a winner, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, was there any point Joe watching from the stream where you're like, or the whole time where you're like, nah, she's, she's good. Uh, I tried not to watch the stream. 
I was so nervous <laughs> because uh, I knew <laughs> I uh, I actually so I I called her right before the event and she was like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> and I was like, "You're good." And she's like, "Yeah, I'm pretty good." I was like, "All right, cool." All right, let's do our check. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Um, so it was like, like I, I, I knew before. I was like, as long as there's good luck, like nothing catastrophic happens. There's no reason whatsoever she's not going to finish. And I said that for months, uh, not to her face, but um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but she. Uh, I never really, I, I was nervous for her because I knew she had it and I didn't want anything bad to happen because I've been there <laughs> and I didn't want that for her. And that was, uh, yeah, uh, that was very, uh, nerve wracking for myself. So I, I would check in and then I would watch a little bit just to see what they're doing. And then I would, I would go find something to do. Yeah, I mean, it had to be doubly so because I, I, I know you had had worked with Gabe as well. Did, were there more participants this year that you had trained, or was it the two of them? Yeah, so Gabe and then uh, Luis and uh, Luis uh, came to me like two months before selection. It was like I want to do this thing, and I'm like, uh, bro, okay, <laughs> but uh, here's the deal. And yeah. uh, but man, I will say Luis put in. For the two months, he didn't know what he was getting himself into. And he lived like 30 minutes from the start point. So he was just kind of uh, getting a taste. Um, but uh, yeah. that was the only that was the only three. So, I mean, anybody who's worked with any kind of coach, any kind of trainer knows every every coach has their different methodologies. Everybody's kind of got their their own personality, their own MO. Allison, is uh, is Joe a, a carrot coach or a stick coach? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Let's hear it. See, I feel like Joe just has a lot to play me <laughs> i've been i've been just i've been described as uncoachable <laughs> um not by joe to my face but <laughs> um no i think god joe joe's very tolerant <laughs> um i don't even i See, it's hard. Joe gives me my programming. You know, he, you know, he, what, what was he saying at the beginning? Like he tries to, he tries to improve people's lives, whether that's, you know, you know, stress, sleep, eating, like all that stuff. So, I yeah. mean, Joe, he's, he's a mentor. He fulfills that role. He's a coach. He gives me programming, but he's, he's a friend. Um, and so, you know, he gives me that stuff. And I feel like in all my feedback and all my workout, you know, feedback, it's, you know, the notes that I write, it's like, I'm writing them, you know, as my coach, like, Hey, here's what sucked today. But also like, you know, you're a friend, I'm going to confide in you. This was great. This sucked, whatever. Um, and you know, it was just the kind of running joke. Like I was never going to be good enough. Like I'm never good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Like I should just quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> Yeah. But she was perfect for me. He knows, I feel like he kind of knows what you need 
And, you know, that's, that's how I respond is with that kind of a relationship. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure for other people, you know, he's good. He's good at reading into what people need. We had the friendly banter, which was perfect. And like I say, he's very tolerant because I will, at the end of the day, do what I want. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he rolls with it every time. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I've I've never responded well to encouragement, which is probably more of a character flaw in me than uh, you know than anything else. Where I'm like, if somebody's you know telling me something positive, I'm like, yeah, what are you saying when it's not to my face? So I only like it secondhand. But same thing, like if I'm being coached, like I kind of need you to be a little mean to me, like uh, you know my my, my group of guys that I kind of you know, ruck and camp and shoot with and all that stuff. The boys, right? Everybody understands uh, the boys. I'm like, those are the people where it's like, if I'm trying to drop weight, that's who I'm going to share the updates with. Not because I'm looking, these are not the guys for the dude, you're down like three pounds. That's awesome. No, no. The reason that it gets shared with them is so that if it goes up at all, at all, and yeah, could be water weight, could be muscle, doesn't matter. Scale goes in the wrong direction. It needs to be merciless mockery. That's the motivation I'm looking for. And uh, I just, I just get this sense. I, I doubt that gets doled out for everybody. But Joe, I just feel like you have that in you, buddy. <laughs> I think I do. I'm a, uh, I'm simple, clear, and direct. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just like the style of, you know, rather than a massive celebration for P, a PR, I'm looking for like, uh, it was it was good. You did good. Probably could have done five more, um, you know, probably slacked a little bit. But I mean, a PR is a PR. Cool. That's uh, that's pretty yeah, much where I'm at. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's, let's clap and smile about it. Okay, we done? Awesome. Let's hit a PR next week. <laughs> Joe took a video of him like front squatting one time because he uses Marco Polo and takes videos and he posted it on one of the training channels and it was easy. And I think, I thank God like three of us sent videos back and we're like, why did you not go up? Like that looked way too easy. Like that is not a one rep max. Like get your life together, man. <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. That is a true story. It goes both ways. <laughs> so as you're you're coming down to the finish and i'm going to throw some shade here and say obviously allison only you can share at this point but as you're coming down to the finish do you realize it's the shark attack like is it dawning on you i'm at the finish line oh yeah um once i made it back so, so when i was on the long walk i had to go to the bathroom um and i couldn't I couldn't really squat low enough to go poop or anything. <laughs> so I remember I asked like, Hey, cause I thought we were really close to the house for whatever reason. I was like, we're really close to the house. Um, we were not, but I was like, Hey, do you think I have like a few minutes, like use the outhouse or something like before we do whatever the next evolution is. And they had like arranged. So by the time we finally get to the house, which is hours later, I don't have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> but they were like, all right, you've got like, you know, we've, we've arranged it. You've got some time to like use the bathroom. And it's like, as soon as I got there, 
and it's super quiet. There's nobody around. It's just cadre. I'm like, all right, this is it. So, so I went into the bathroom. I just kind of sat there for a minute because I'm like, all right, like this is the shark attack. Like I know it's the shark attack. Like what else would it be? Yeah. And especially the walk down the hill um, with Barbarossa, I was like, like 100%. I was like, I know what I'm walking into. Um, so, so no. And I knew, you know, everyone knows what the shark attack is. I feel well, like some don't. I was I was about to say let's clear up some lingo there because we've we've thrown out the long walk a few times, and I I sit here thinking that's pretty self-explanatory. But if you're not into this, it's kind of not. You would think it's just in the name, but it's more intense than what's just conveyed in the name. So talk about the long walk a little bit. So the long walk, um, I mean, you're essentially just walking. So it started from what I told. It started at midnight or so. Um, you're literally just walking. They have this route, um, this route throughout Bellbrook that I honestly have no idea where I was going. I was hallucinating for a lot of it. <laughs> but, I was going to say, this is where um, several people have talked about hallucinating during this event, though. Yeah, yeah. I was seeing it. For, so I'm not a big fan of wrecking, but my hallucinations were really entertaining. Like, <laughs> they kept me going. So. <laughs> But um, really just walked. So the cadre, there was always one cadre falling behind me just in case I started to like, you know, veer off the road or something. Um, there was always a truck because they would swap out here and there. So yeah. the truck was like always in view to kind of, you know, direct us somewhere to go. Um, and really just walked most of the time in silence. Um, there was I was going to say they're behind cadre. you, but not not with you. This isn't a rocking yeah. buddy. They're there for safety, but you're alone. Right. No, apparently one of them bumped into me. I have no memory of that at all. Because <laughs> we're all tired at that point, you know? Yeah. We're, all, we're all tired. But no, we're just walking in silence. Um, pretty much. I had So I had thought it was closer to dawn than what it was. And so I'm just walking along for the first several hours, I guess, like, where is the sunrise? Like, why is this taking so long for the sun to come up? But, you know, I guess like six hours later, it finally happened. It's like, Oh, like, all right, I guess I've been walking for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just walking and walking and walking and more walking. Um, that was about when my feet started to blister. So things didn't like feel great. Um, yeah. My back was really far gone at that point. Like, I think the video that um, Nick and Dan made, like my hands are in my pockets or something, but I just had, like, I had to brace myself on my legs because I couldn't, I couldn't stand up straight. Like I was just kind of hunchback. Um, and then I think I was supposed to be back to the house sooner, but because I wasn't, they brought some coupons out to me. So the last few miles, it was sandbags or the jerry cans. They brought me the jerry cans. It's not cool, guys. No, I was not happy about that. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I think they kept to this timeline really, really well. So, I mean, I think the shark attack started like right on the dot at like noon. So... I mean, they have, I actually saw a folder. It was like selection 20, like selection timeline. And it was really, it was right by the water fill up. And I was like, oh, 
They shouldn't just leave that. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the long walk was just a lot of walking in the dark, <laughs> a lot of walking in the dark and silence. And so I, I, the attempt, it, it's, it's, that's, uh, that's a mental evolution more than physical. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Like, if you're going, yeah. if you're going to take yourself out of the fight, that's a great opportunity to do it. Right. But I think, you know, if you make it to the long walk, like, you know, you just know, Yeah. <laughs> you don't get there and think, all right, this is where I drop. Um, at, at least I don't, nobody yeah. that I've talked to has ever gotten to that point and been like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're in your own head. You know, there's no one to talk to. You're just, that's why I said the hallucinations were really nice because, you know, it kind of kept you guessing yeah. <laughs> like what's real and what's not. Well, and see that also be a real uh, nice time to have stored a playlist of distance freestyle event songs in your head right. to sing to yourself. Prepared. Yeah. Should have pulled up the playlist. To, add that to like training notes for next time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, allow me to offer you more wisdom and how to finish these events. Cause I've got some doozies. <laughs> um, and so shark attack comes along and again, like it sounds self-explanatory, uh, but I, explain this to the listeners. It's just, it's chaos again. It's um, every, so it, I was the only one left. So, you know, how many cadre were there like 12 or something? Um, everyone's yelling at you at the same time. You don't know who to listen to. Um, it's just, it's just loud and chaotic. And, you know, at that point, everything is kind of gone. Like, you know, grip is gone. Strength is gone. My back was gone. Um, it's just, it's just a lot. You're tired, you're sleep deprived and you just have all these guys yelling at you and um you and know this, you're trying to figure out like who to listen to yeah. and and it's this is not encouragement this is not you can no. do it zero eight <laughs> this is trying to see the last bits of doubt speaking to any right, insecurity yeah. you may have they're doing all this while dumping buckets of water on you there's always um, water <laughs> and, and i want to tie back to something i mentioned earlier because i mentioned how cool it was to get to watch from the outside in to see um, Chad Malone's shark attack when he finished. And I, and I don't mean cool in that, um, you know, like, I don't know, car wreck fail video sense. Like it's not cool in that you're watching the violence of this moment. It's very minor violence. It's, you know, mm -hmm. sticks and stones may break my bones and whatnot, but it's, it's the triumph, right? Like you're seeing, like you get to see this person's spirit in this moment. You really do. Um, and so like, it was so cool to watch that with Chad and watch him overcome that. But the point we were at in, in my household, and I saw this repeated throughout the thread. Um, and I, I don't mean this in any way to reduce your accomplishment to your gender, man, woman, beast, whatever you finished this event, you've done something. But whereas normally my wife's rolling my eyes at me as we've watch this event progress over two days. My wife's getting more and more interested as I'm like, Hey, like there's something special going on here. Right. And filling in and she's watching and I've got this four year old daughter and we're starting. We're like, Marley, do you, do you see what she's doing? And then 
my my mom's here with us and mom's watching it. and like mom kind of gets that i rock but like doesn't get that i rock you know what i'm saying like the idea mm-hmm. that someone would do this so like we're watching that evolution we're watching the shark attack and she's like why are they yelling at her <laughs> like why are they doing that but by time it's done we're my whole household my son included we're all in awe of this but it was such a special different reaction from these three generations of women in my household you know my you know i'm i don't choke up easy the dad in me is going to choke up a little bit but like my daughter seeing that is just such a special different thing and to to say like we sat here on our phones and devices here in central florida and saw your spirit in that moment like we saw like everybody saw what you were made of and it was it was inspiring to me. It was inspiring to my son, but it was such a special, different thing because we don't get as many as examples of that for our daughters, for our wives, for our mothers, for our sisters, as we should, right? And so it was just such a cool thing. It was as a, a go ruck household. I mean, I got a closet full of of rucks. I got a drawer full of t-shirts, right? I got a, a a thing full of patches. It was just in a collection of all those things. You know, the special moments I've had. Uh, in go ruck events and and around this community, it was just such a standout special moment. It's so cool to watch, and I don't know how much of that, like I don't know how much you could feel in that moment beyond what was going on with you, if you felt what was going on. Because again, I've watched a lot of these, and even the chat was different, right? There's always rooting for somebody. There's always cheering for people. You know, there's always come on this roster number and let's go that's roster number. But this one was it was a different thing. It was special. Cool. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I know what people have told me like chat wise, like people were taking screenshots and showing me and everything. Um, it was, I mean, I knew cause kind of like what I said in the beginning, like, I think it's, it's been a long time coming that there's another female finisher for selection. Um, and I think this year I kind of realized what a big deal it would be only because last year there was, there were so many, I mean, there were female supporters, but male supporters that were like, you know, like you guys like need to go do this. Like you need to do it. And it's like, I, you know, I, I know I can do it and I want to do it and I want to be that inspiration. And like, you know, I want to be that, you know, I want to be that person. Um, but I think on my way up the hill, with the jerry cans and everything when the the cadre were talking about you know like you know i have i have three daughters i have two daughters like you know you know you you want to be this role model for them like you need to show us that you can do it and um it was it was drilled into me you know by the time i got to the top of the hill it was i did get the sense that it was you know maybe something different at least maybe not bigger but it was just something different than what yeah the years, the years past have been. So yeah, you're in the shark weird. attack, you know, you're there. Is there anything that could have made you quit at that point? Is there anything there when you're going, Oh, thank God they didn't do that. Cause I couldn't have handled that. <laughs> um, no, because the things I didn't want to do, they made me do <laughs> carrying those jerry cans up the hill. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to see another jerry can in my life. Like I am so over jerry cans. <laughs> It's like I'm not buying them. I don't want them. Like keep them away from me. Um, 
No, really in that moment, I was, you know, I knew what they wanted, you know, because yeah. they know the really nice thing I think about the cadre, like I love the cadre, I love all of them. And, um, you know, they're not going to make you do anything unsafe. They want to see you do the things you can at that point to the best of your ability and just really give it everything you've got. And there were a lot of things they tried to have me do in the shark attack that I physically like I couldn't clean the 80 pound sandbag anymore. Like I couldn't do it. And, you know, I got yelled at a lot for it and I tried it and you know, at a certain point they're just like, all right, you know, on to the next thing. Like just, there was a lot of failure, but you know, they just, they just want to see you move and get yeah. stressed out. And I think Roger Sparks even said during one of the evolutions, he's like, we want to see, we want to see what you do when you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and that stuck with me that they're just trying to get my body to fail and it failed a lot. <laughs> I I still have it burned into, I mean, I can only imagine for Chad, but I still have it burned into my brain from Chad's shark, shark attack. I can hear it in Jason's voice in my head telling Chad at the end of his 48 hours with all this going on, address the sandbag. I can hear it over and over. Address the sandbag. The sandbags were the hot thing that year anyway. It's like the 60 for 60 had been the fun thing. And I'm, I'm, you're just watching this beast of a man, but you can see all the wear and tear. I mean, you know, and it's, here goes this 80 pound sandbag over his head again. And now it's answer questions, which they were doing to you. Answer questions about why are you here? Yeah. Keep the sandbag up there. But why are you here? It's <laughs> like, dang, I never, I never want to hear Jason say address the sandbag in person. I, I'd quit then. Jason was actually really, I don't want to say nice, um, but he was kind of nice this year. Like he, it was a weird, it was a weird tone from him because yeah. the year before he was one of the most like over the top, like dramatic contractor where, um, this year he was, he was different. I, I actually yeah. really appreciated it though, because, um, you know, when the shark attack started and they were really like drilling me for like my why, which, you know, I probably should have come up with something that was a little easier to get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think I could have, you know, started to talk about it if it weren't for Jason being a little like his approach, he had a really yeah. good approach this year that kind of helps me elaborate it a little bit better. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, JC is always interesting. He's always fun to watch because he's just like oh, yeah. this little ball of energy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cleve losing his voice was cracking me up. I, I, I made many jokes at his expense in the chat for his voice. And then I kept like people would come in new to the chat. And they're just like, can, I can't remember who was mostly running the stream from GoRuck, but people would come in new and they'd be like, could somebody please get that poor guy a cough drop? And of course they had been feeding him whatever he needed the whole time. So I just kept piling on. I'm like, yeah, can we get him a cough drop? Every time somebody said it, I just double, I just doubled <laughs> down on it. Um, but Sparks, man, like he just had this like quiet warrior poet, like just downplayed intentional like crushing your soul kindly vibe going on. It, his was the toughest stuff to watch that other yeah. than, it, you know, with the sandbags on the two by fours, 
watching him, particularly in that second evolution with you, as he's basically waterboarding you. I I mean, more or less waterboarding (laughs) you, but very, very politely and just throwing out like all this deep introspective stuff. I mean, dude, such a warrior poet anyways. I'm like, I've, I don't know if I've ever been this scared of a human being. (laughs) He's, he is one of my favorite, like by far, he's, he's definitely one of my favorite cadre. Um, after selection, I was like, that was, you were way more intense this year than last year. (laughs) But, um, no, I, I love Roger. I have so much respect for Roger. Like I will say he, his evolutions partially because it was him, Cleve and JC. I was like the three, maybe most intense cadre, like all together. But, um, yeah, like you said, like quietly, I don't know, like the things that he would say, it was like, I'm trying to pay attention. It's like when, when you see people in a crowd or you like maybe in high school or you see guys at a bar, there's always, there's the boisterous guy talking a bunch of trash. Maybe he's the one that's shoving a little bit, or he's going to rip his shirt off. That guy's not particularly scary. That guy's mostly boastful, right? Like it's, it's just bark. It's the guy that leans over in your ear and quietly goes, I'm going to remove your face and I am going to eat it. You need to walk away now. That's the person where you're like, yeah, bro. Cool. Cool. I'm out. That was the sparks vibe. That was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty accurate. (laughs) Uh, Is it a bit surreal once, once you're patched and the chaos stops and it's food and fire and friends and. Oh, it's so weird. I mean, (laughs) it's, um, I mean, it's just never ending. Cause then, you know, you get your food and like I shower, like Jala, I mean, Jala took care of me 100%. I mean, she helped me get clothes off and shower and like dress me and, you know, everyone like cleaned my ruck out for me and my kit bag. And, um, you know, they did everything. They got me food. Um, but doing all like the posts, the interviews and everything afterwards, um, it was just, <laughs> it's just strange. I was like, what even happened? <laughs> like like there, they would talk about certain, you know, evolutions. I'm like, I honestly don't even remember half of them. Like yeah. we're just, you know, there's, there's buckets of water everywhere and you know, I'm never doing anything right. Like that's really <laughs> what I remember. <laughs> I, I heard you make a, a funny comment. I don't normally do a lot of podcast prep, but I'm like, oh, well, dang it. I know I got beat to this. I'm like, I want to cover fresh ground, <laughs> right? I, I, I want to make sure, like I don't want to rehash, right? You want to cover different ground. So I heard you say on this other podcast, right? Like the media team there does such a great job of making you look so cool or tough. I'm like, they're not, they're not editing. You know, they're just taking pictures, right? Like the lens just sees what it sees. Like you are just cool and tough and doing cool things. Uh, And so it's funny. Like, I think that's part of what is so awesome about you as a finisher is it's still, you know, you're still like other people in ho-hum and it wasn't that big a deal. Like, no, it's kind of a big deal. I like people. They do do some good editing. I mean, they pick some cool tracks and yeah, there's some nice cuts, but they can only do so much. Like that that same team could come take footage of me at an event and it would not be as compelling. It might be. (laughs) 
There is one moment from the highlight video of the first Sandlot Jacks where I'm tossing a medicine ball over my shoulder. And I got to say, it did make me look both stronger and cooler than I am, but still not several, several levels beneath where any of your footage or stills lands. I'm like, oh, hey, they made me look strong there instead of fat. Let's okay, let's go. Um, hey, well, Dan, Dan and Nick, they were, they're like the heart. Yeah. That whole media, media crew, the three of them, like they're like the hardest working guys there besides the cadre. Like, I mean, they were yeah. running, they're like laying down the middle of the street. <laughs> they're in, I think Dan jumped into a bush at one point. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they were, they were on it. Now that's that's Allison's experience with the the shark attack and the finish. Joe, are you watching the shark attack and the finish? Just going, man, I can charge so much more to train people now. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, I had my I had my phone up in my garage and I was pacing back and forth and freaking out because that was the only part that I actually watched and. Uh, it was uh, very nerve-wracking, very emotional, very awesome. I was just, uh, I was so excited to tell her that she finally did a good job. <laughs> That's all it took. That was it. I, I have pretty low standards. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, well, I, I, I think... It's it's funny because I feel like if you're not uh, if you haven't done a GoRuck event if you're not part of this the that community I feel like the obvious question would be what's next but everybody who's done a GoRuck event knows what's next which is another event and uh, sure enough like I see you you're like two weeks later you're I was like I already did another event <laughs> yeah you're off doing you're off at, which is it this like like finishing selection. Isn't it like Goruck's version of the the Wonka's golden ticket? Like, don't you get to do whatever event you want from now on forever? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I can figure out how to get the Sandlot app to work. <laughs> <laughs> again, I, um, go, again, Goruck Marketing, feel free to pull any clips you want, guys, from, from the podcast. I mean, the, the problem is I do get events for free. I just... I guess I'm just going to have to like show up because my discount code doesn't work in the app yet. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to show up. I would say that you could just I'll register with the solid seven discount code, but alas. <laughs> Is you... it a free code? <laughs> Uh, there is no solid seven code, but listeners, <laughs> if you want to participate in these events, you should visit solid seven podcast.com and click on my go rec link. So we get a little bit of love. That's where you should buy all of your go rec gear and register for all of your events. But yeah, things are, things are changing up a little bit over there. Now the, the format, the registering, a lot of stuff moving to, to the Sandlot app. And, uh, you know, if there's, you know, one thing that's true in life and go rec, the only thing that stays the same is, uh, you know, Everything changes. Right. Even the GR1. Every once in a while, things things get a little love. Things get a little better. Yeah. No, so. I'm excited. I mean, I know I'll figure it out. They'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out. But now, yeah, no, nobody's here. ever all go rucked out. I mean, I guess there's people that fall off. I, I've even got a couple in my life. I, I don't get it. Um, but are you 
are you all endurance events out? Have you done enough? Or is there something where you're like, ah, I need to know if I can do that one? You know, it's funny. I think, so my calendar this upcoming year is like all more endurance events. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, you know, I'm never, I'm just not going to be good at short sprint things. And if there's a short sprint event, then there's probably like a longer event. And so, you know, why would I want to do the short one if I can do the long one? It's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I'd say this is going to make it so hard for me to register for any more 12 mile star courses, but I'd be lying because I freaking love 12 mile star courses. It's just hanging with your friends for a patch. It's the best time. Yeah, I've never done one. Hey. I tried to do a scavenger at Sandlot this past year, and I was like, I'm done. I'm over it. <laughs> it is. I mean, I've done um, I've done the 26.2. We were going to do a 50, and none of us trained enough, and we backed down like a bunch of sissies, which feels extra uh, wuss-like talking to both of you. Um, and then had the 50 miler in, uh, France on the calendar for next summer. Yeah. And, uh, everybody, I had two or three people that were theoretically down to do it with me. And I'm down to zero people who are down to do it with me. I think we're going to go up to Huntsville, Alabama the weekend before instead and do, um, 12, the 28 miler, uh, for the, the Mark Forrester, uh, rock oh. with, with that Forrester. So I think I'm not, we're not completely backing off this summer, but I think we're going to go do the 28 miler instead. I, I still want to knock out a 50 mile star course. I just don't think I want to do it solo. I just don't want to do one. So good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the 12 and the 26, that's just a nice way to spend some time and see a city. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> There's cars. <laughs> you know, you know, strap on a dorky bike helmet and rent a Segway. Um, <clears throat> I've definitely done that in Seattle. Um, Joe, what, uh, what's for you, man? Like, is uh, is another selection in the cards? Uh, I like to think so. My my body's hurting, <laughs> but. Uh, we keep training and we'll see how it all pans out. Um, I'm definitely, uh, I'm not done doing hard things because I got to catch up with Allison here, but, uh, nothing on this calendar yet, but, uh, we'll see what's, we'll see what's on the horizon. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been a blast. Um, I'm still interested in the follow-on episodes, as previously discussed. Um, Allison, <laughs> seriously though, I appreciate you, uh, you know, getting out of your your introverted shell and coming and hanging with us here on uh, on the podcast. If I ever need, uh, you know, emergency medical services, I hope that I'm near your hospital uh, for sure. Um, anybody I'm not a very nice person. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, but no, man, like. Uh, what you do and how you do it and the humility you do it with is so awesome to see. It's so cool to hear about. It is legit and an inspiration. It probably will cause me to irresponsibly book some longer star courses 
uh, at the very least. Um, so any in injuries, that's on your head. However, I guess I could train with Joe in advance. Joe, if I wanted to, um, and this is totally unplanned, this came up so naturally, but if I, I wanted to train for these longer events with you, how, how does one do that? How do I even go about it? Oh, well, you like, that's a professional podcast segue right there. I don't know if you guys appreciate was. the talent there, but yeah. uh, great skill to keep up if you keep doing this. Um, so I'm, tr man, I'm, I'm trying my hardest. <laughs> JoeBakerFitness.com and it'll be right there on the front screen, man. Right on. And we'll, we'll link that in the show notes and you guys are, are both on Instagram. Uh, Allison is, uh, Allison 08 cleverly, right? 808. 808. Allison. There's, there's an, I dropped an eight there. Uh, and, uh, Joe is uh, JB fitness, 1776, just sliding in a little patriotism to the screen name there. Allison, I'm not saying you have to do that. I, I don't know how patriotic 808 is. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever you are <laughs> very close to Canada up there, it's questionable, but, uh, both of them, uh, <clears throat> worth a worth a follow and uh, uh you know if you're a fan of the podcast and you're a fan of uh, ds's you've probably seen him in joe's gym uh i do love seeing the bakery stuff that part joe baker fitness not trying the hardest calling it the bakery that's freaking dope dude <laughs> <laughs> but i finally uh, got a bakery patch nice you yeah, what? Give me one of those. Yeah, but you don't have the official <laughs> Are bakery you... pad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't. I mean, I don't know what you got to do to earn one of those, but there's solid seven patches coming to both of you, and turnabout's fair play. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> Absolutely appreciate it. So, well, no. No, guys, I appreciate it. Open door. Anytime you guys want to come back, talk about anything. Uh, love life or not racing for sure. Uh, you, you guys are, are welcome anytime. And this was a, a great fan. And, uh, you know, if I, if I decide to get a little froggy with my events or just decide to be under 189 at my five foot 11, Joe, you're, you're my first call, dude. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> so well guys i appreciate it listeners it was a long one and hopefully you enjoyed it i know i did but always appreciate you guys sticking with us if you haven't already when you're done following these two on instagram and visiting joe's website stop by our website solid seven podcast.com solid the number seven podcast.com you can always find links to the latest episode like the one you just enjoyed here you can pick up uh, a little merch including those solid seven patches <clears throat> throw us some support uh, on, on Patreon, follow us on the socials. All the stuff you can do on websites, you can do online. It's novel. But uh, stop by, check it out. You can also click through to Go Ruck, spend a little money on events and gear, and we get a little love over here. And if you want to tell them that we should have a discount code here at the Solid 7 Podcast, then all the better. And uh, we appreciate it. And uh, whatever app you listen to us on, if you haven't already, click the follow, subscribe, send a little little rating, little thumbs up, little five stars. It's all a big help. Allison, Joe, seriously, love you guys. Appreciate it. Had a great time. Listeners, we love you and we're out.
The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.